Live from the Hot Stove Lounge, the Flames Talk post-game show starts now. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Another solid outing for the Flames. Another convincing victory for the Flames. You can make it four in a row, and they kick off a three-game homestand with a 4-2 win over the Los Angeles Kings. As we welcome you to our Flames Talk post-game show on a Tuesday night, it's Pat Steinberg along with you here at the Scotiabank Saddledome, and let's go immediately to the Flames locker room and get some post-game reaction from tonight's number two star. Blake Coleman joins us right now. Uh, Blake, another really solid night from your group from this vantage point you were a part of it what did you like how did you see this one for your group tonight yeah I thought it was another solid effort I think um, really from the start of the puck drop I thought we were the better team and um, you know obviously they, they were coming off a of back-to-back and we knew that and tried to take advantage of their tired legs and um, you know it was a little slow for for both sides I thought to start but um, you know, even when they scored, we stayed with it, and we felt like we were the better team throughout. You uh, just said stayed with it, and if you take a look at this four-game streak for your group, Blake, it feels like sticking with it, not getting away from your game, regardless of how bounces and things might go, has been a big part of it. And and maybe that wasn't always there earlier in the season. What's what's allowed your group to be so good at sticking with it here over the last little while? Well, we've got a lot of belief in our group, and um, you know, a lot of guys are playing their best hockey of the season right now at the right time and um you know that's why there's you know we have the ability to to roll the lines and and play a lot of uh different d in big minutes and um you know and Marky's obviously been what he's been all year for us so uh, i think everything's kind of rounding out right now at the right time and um you know we're finally really starting to believe that we can do something special. Walk us uh, through your goal just uh, less than a minute after Andrew Andrew Majapani tied this one up how'd you see your goal coming together in the second period well, that's pretty much all Huntsy. Um, you know, it starts in the D zone. He gets a big block for us, um, out muscles a guy all the way down the ice and makes a one-handed chip to get it in. It was just a good effort and, um, you know, a good a good change to get me out. Uh, fresh legs, and, and I just tried to get to the net, um, get there hard, and obviously Hubie made a play on the puck uh, to the net and just kind of a reaction play to, to bat it out of the air. And, um, you know, thankfully it went in and gave us a little lead there for, for a minute. And, um you know, it was just kind of indicative of our game all night. I think it was simple, hard, get pucks to the net. Um, and then, obviously, Sharky broke it open there in the third. How would you like that finish uh, from your line mate, Andrew, in his 400th NHL game? That was uh, that, that's that's one that he won't forget for a while, hey? Yeah, yeah. He uh, he called himself Vintage Mange there. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, <laughs> not that he ever lost it, in my opinion, but, uh, yeah, heck of a finish. Um, I didn't even take a stride from the blue line in because I knew he had it, so happy for him obviously it's uh, a big milestone game for him and i'm sure that one felt good and uh, a final question for you you know you've won four in a row you mentioned that you've got a lot of belief in this room right now blake just just overall can you take us inside and you know that you're you're smack dab in the middle of a playoff race you're about to enter the final quarter of the season here just what is the belief level like what is the confidence level like inside that room right now well there's a lot of belief and i think you know that comes from guys feeling good about their games and where they're at and um, you know, we're very aware of our situation and we know that, you know, we can't afford to, to drop many games here. So, um, obviously it's good that we're able to string some together here, but you know, there's a lot of teams playing good hockey in this race and, uh, we're going to have to beat the guys in front of us to, uh, 
to make a difference here. Blake, congratulations on the victory. Congratulations on the goal, and good luck on Saturday against Pittsburgh. Hey, thanks so much for doing this. Yep, thanks, fellas. Appreciate it. That is Blake Coleman post-game outside the Flames locker room. He scored a goal, big part of tonight's 4-2 victory over the LA Kings. Flames have won four in a row, and they're rolling. Another really solid outing from the Flames here at the Scotiabank Saddledome as they push their record to 29-25-5 and and keep themselves in this playoff mix with the final quarter of the season just a few games away okay we are underway on your flames talk post game show on this tuesday night apple spotify google amazon or wherever you get your podcast phone lines are open at 403-240-4444 text line open at 960 960 it's pat steinberg with megan mickelson and Derek wills around the table here in the hot stove lounge and uh mick just another one of those nights where you can't really fault much of the effort from the flames just another really solid night another uh Solid victory to make it four in a row. Yeah, and I like their start. They jumped all over the Kings uh, right from the puck drop and just really dictated the pace of the game in terms of they possessed the puck a ton in the first period uh, and then carried that throughout the game as well. And that's what they needed to do to beat this Kings team that can be very dangerous once they kind of get on a roll. They're possessing the puck. Uh, they're a, a tough team to beat, but just put them on their heels right away and then loved the response after the LA Kings first goal and Andrew Mangiapane, uh that was a, a beautiful deke that he made, a great pass by Noah Hannafin, but it's it's that response, right? That's what allows them to push back in games that we haven't always seen over the course of the season, but that is what's changed in their game over the course of the last week, in my opinion, is just their ability to ride those momentum swings, and when the other team uh, scores goals or gets really good opportunities, it's their pushback that has been so strong and so much better, and then uh, just sticking with with their game uh, over over the course of the full 60 minutes, and uh, that was that was really impressive. And uh, obviously, a lot of great plays. Blake Coleman talked about that block by Dryden Hunt, a big block by Chris Tanev at the end of the game as well. So uh, very obvious that the belief in this room is still there. I think what impressed me the most was it was another no passengers performance by this team. Everybody played their role. I think about the fourth line and how they set the table for that Yegor Sharangovich goal that wound up being the game winner in the third period. Just an excellent shift in the offensive zone, and they got the Kings back on their heels and tired them out, and then here comes Yegor Sharangovich with uh, a burst of speed up the middle of the ice and then just a wicked wrist shot that uh, beats Tam Cam Talbot clean. Uh, and a really impressive performance, and again, they were by far the better of the two teams tonight, in my opinion. But they, they didn't let how the game played out get to them. So they deserved to be out in front following the first period, but it was 0-0. So they stuck with their game in the second period, and then they're behind one nothing. They didn't panic, got that goal right back, took a 2-1 lead, and then the Kings, to their credit, just wouldn't go away. They tied up at 2. You go to the third period, and the Flames just keep playing their game, and they find a way to win this one. So they finally kind of bucked that trend of, Four straight wins, four straight losses, four straight wins, three straight losses. 
three straight wins, and then they stretch that uh, to four. So uh, they've played their best hockey of the season over the last week and a bit, in my opinion, and uh, we'll see if they can keep it going. Uh, now the only uh, unfortunate part is uh, they get a extended break now before their next game. They uh, were in a nice little groove. Now they don't play again until Saturday when they take on the Pittsburgh Penguins for Mika Kiprasov night here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. That was the second of four head-to-head meetings between the Flames and Kings this year. One more there, one more here and that was our marquee matchup on the pregame show brought to you by country hills toyota it's clear out time at the giant country hills toyota get interest rates as low as five percent plus three years free maintenance free winter tires and the giants lifetime free oil change offer and second half of back-to-backs and that's the third straight time the flames have played a team on the second half of a back-to-back and and came out and took advantage of that and and really got things going from the get-go great first period against um against Boston on Thursday. Great first period against Edmonton on Saturday. Great first period against him tonight, Derek, uh, in the LA Kings. And now five back, and the Kings are still very much in the driver's seat. They've played two less games than the Flames have, but you know what? They still have two head-to-head games with L.A. between now and the end of the regular season, which means that, hey, the, these points against a divisional opponent and a team in a wild-card spot, they're important too. Yeah, all the Flames can do is take care of their own business, and then you have to see what happens to the teams that you're chasing, but uh, they've taken care of business in four straight, and they're they're alive and kicking in the fight for a playoff spot. Let's say hello now to Kale McLean, Flames assistant coach, who joins us here in the hot stove lounge on our Flames Talk post game with Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson. It's Pat Steinberg. Uh, Kale, another really solid outing for your group. What uh, what do you like about your sixty minutes against the Kings tonight? Well, I thought that we stuck with it really well. I thought that uh, you know it was a bit of a war of attrition in terms of getting offense out of uh, LA. Like they're they're a tough team to generate against, and you have to stay with that. The first period we didn't have enough quality chances, but I thought the possession and the ozone time was there. And uh, give our guys credit. There's some huge penalty kills along the way. And then we found ways to grind out some goals. And obviously the uh, Sharon Govich goal was a, you know, that was a huge goal at a huge time. So pretty exciting game for us in terms of, like, just seeing our team stay with the game uh, for, for a full 60. And over the course of the last four games, like, it just seems like the group has found a groove and is playing their best hockey of the season over the the stretch of the last four games what do you like most about the way the team's playing well i think that uh you know you're always going to have the odd breakdown in terms of uh your your play in terms of giving up chances but overall we've been quite solid defensively and we're finding ways to generate offense as a result of that i think our neutral zone has been really good in terms of not giving up a lot coming through there, um, whether it's through our you know, neutral zone forecheck or the line rush defense, we haven't given up a ton there. And I think that we've found ways to sort of bend and not break in our D zone. And uh, credit has to go to the goaltenders, of course. When you're when you're finding ways to be successful in your defensive zone, then I think that is um, a big part of that is goaltending's making timely saves. But I think our structure has been really good and our work ethic has been been – Really good. And that with work ethic, I sort of equate the passion that we're playing with. That's something I think over the four games that you've seen a lot. Kale, uh, 11 points in the last 10 games and now 22 points in the last 23 games for Jonathan Huberto, who just looks like a completely different player to me now than he did for most of last season or even earlier this season. What has allowed him to 
find his game again because he's starting to produce kind of like the guy he did two years ago with the Panthers. Yeah, I think that uh, he's got a little chemistry going, you know, line-wise with Sharon Govich especially. Uh, I know there's been, you know, some musical left-wingers, or sorry, right-wingers there with with Kuzmenko being out. But at the same time, I think what you're seeing from Jonathan is that he's, uh, like most skilled players, he's a confidence player, and he's feeling really good about his game, and he's, he's... I, as a result, I think spending more time with the puck and more plays are developing for him. I feel like when he gets the puck, his um, his poise is a little bit better in terms of that's to me that's just a skill guy doing what he does. It's something that is innate for him, but I think that he's gotten some more confidence, and as a result, he's able to sort of see plays develop more. He's making some plays that are high level he oh, made yeah. one tonight on the line oh. rush that i think i think it was hannafin that he sent in and we drew a penalty but that play was really really good <laughs> yeah it was something to behold for sure so really good to see him uh he's shooting the puck too that doesn't hurt and i think that he's uh, finding ways to put the puck on the net and uh certainly you know getting to his usual form so that's great to see we are chatting with kale mclean flames assistant coach following a 4-2 win over la you know one of the things if you were to you know take a look at the one of the constants through this four game stretch is is your ability to stay with your game and it feels like that's been a big reason for all four of these wins even when maybe things haven't gone your way on the ice or or the opposing team gets uh gets a lucky one or whatever the course case may be and and that was something earlier in the year that you know in chats with you and and other people with the group is like you know maybe we're not sticking with our game enough what's changed what's allowed you to start being a group that doesn't get away from it even when things aren't maybe going your way good question i got to think about it a little bit because I, I i noticed the same thing we noticed the same thing as a staff and i think that one of the things is we've been better at uh, responding uh with goals and that i think sort of um snowballs on itself when you're able to do that a few games in a row uh, I think that that sort of creates a, an error about the team that allows the team to not sort of get into a panic. And then I think we've been doing a good job of coming up with some offense when we need it. And it seems to be permeating through our group where we know, for example, tonight we answered that first goal with a big goal right back. And that um, helps you sort of stick with it when you do that more consistently. But I would say the overall reason why we're able to um, sort of maintain our our level in games is our work ethic has been really good. I got to give the guys a lot of credit. Like you've seen a lot of block shots lately. You've seen um, a lot of battles where guys are really physically engaged. And I think that when that those levels are up all the time, then you're never really out of a game. And and I think that's why we're able to find equalizers and find those third period goals and and find ways to get wins. Uh, the power play has struggled over the course of the season. Just what did you see from the power play tonight? I thought they moved the puck well tonight. I thought that they did a good job of trying to generate um, shot attempts, and they moved it uh, in terms of entering the zone. We had the one thing that I really liked about the power play was our retrievals. I thought that we had some 50-50 races that we won, some face-off losses where we gained pucks back. Um, and... I think the guys were zipping it around, didn't have luck in terms of 
getting the you know the right kind of traffic at the right time that would make it that much harder on Talbot to find pucks and maybe create loose pucks uh, rebounds and things but I thought that they, that they did some good things and um, it was certainly a few power plays we took momentum out of and that's something that's really important how impressed are you how proud are you of the job the guys have done blocking out all the noise because I mean this is not not the 1980s when not every game was on television and there was no such thing as sports radio social media hadn't been invented yet it, it's been loud and it's getting louder as we head towards the trade deadline on March 8th but they're playing their best hockey of the season right now I mean it's got to be impressive for you and the coaching staff that they've been able to rally together as a group and and win four straight games I think the the guys we want to push towards the playoffs and guys aren't even thinking about that stuff like they're pushing hard and these guys are committed you can see it on the ice they're really committed for our group and we're playing in a way where we've got a gap to close and we're working on closing that gap and we're going to play the right kind of hockey and when we get inside that room nothing else exists so we don't even worry about anything like that we're we're uh, a tight team and the guys are going hard for each other and we're making a hard push here congratulations on the win kale thanks for doing this as always hey all right thank you guys that's kale mclean flames assistant coach following a 4-2 win over the flames here at the scotia bank saddle dome uh the la kings uh, the team they take down on this tuesday night as we're underway on your flames talk post game show Derek wills megan mickelson pat steinberg along with you let's select tonight's hardest working flame brought to you by canyon plumbing and heating are you the hardest working plumber or hvac tech canyon's hiring send resumes to jobs at canyon canyonplumbing.com. Mick, who are we going with on uh, tonight's Hardest Working Flame? Uh, this one feels a little bit tough. I mean, I'm going to go with Chris Tanev. I thought he had, he always has an excellent night in terms of blocking shots, uh, but just really felt like in this game tonight when he blocked that shot that allowed Michael Backlund to score the empty net goal, like that was a, a huge shot mm -hmm. block. And regardless of the noise that's happening around the team, around him in terms of trades, like he just continues to throw himself in front of pucks left, right and center and do absolutely everything he can to help this team win. And then it was great to see him get a couple of assists. Uh, obviously one assist comes off of that shot block. It does. Uh, so, I mean, I loved that and uh, puts up big minutes, plays against other teams, top lines, shuts them down and it was out there, you know, the last minute of the game and, um, just thought that he had another outstanding night. Chris Tanev is tonight's hardest working flame. Brought to you by Canyon Plumbing and Heating. Want to get recognized and rewarded for your achievements? Learn from the best. Send your resume to jobs at canyonplumbing.com. Just before we uh, just before we get to the final thoughts on this Tuesday night, I just wanted to ask you guys quickly a question as to one of the topics Wes and I got into earlier on uh, Tuesday's Flames Talk. Um, you Mick just mentioned block shots. We know how Chris Tanev plays. We know we're uh, now about nine days, week and a half until the trade deadline. When do we start to see, when should we start to see these players sat down for asset protection? And the text line was all over the place with it. Don't sit them at all. Uh, sit them now and everywhere in between. Here's what I said. Um, 
I think you play them the rest of the homestand, and then you don't take them on the trip to Florida. Uh, they play Thursday night in Tampa Bay, the trade deadlines the next day. That would be the one time I would be sitting them out because it just you're right up on it at that point, obviously, if deals aren't made. That's what I said. I'm curious as to where you are. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. I was going to say you don't sit them out. You, you just you keep playing them, and then if you're trading them, you trade them. Um, but that does make some sense. Uh, I mean, that would be a long way to take them, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, depending on where you were going to move them. If you're moving them somewhere in the east, then uh, you get a little closer. But if it's uh, somewhere in the west, yeah. that's a long flight back. Not that I guess you're worried about uh, them being tired at that point in time. But you know what? I just I don't know what message it sends to the team. If if you healthy scratch those guys to protect them as assets, I would completely understand it from Craig Conroy's perspective. But I just look at how this team has come together, how they've battled through all of this adversity, how they've hung around in this fight for a playoff spot, how they've played their best hockey of the season in the last week or so as the noise continues to get louder and louder and louder, Mm -hmm. especially surrounding the two defensemen and Noah Hannafin and Chris Tanev, things have quieted down a little bit when it comes to Jacob Markstrom. So, Pat, your your plan does make some sense, and and maybe we won't get to that point. Maybe it won't be the the night before the deadline uh, when those guys get traded. And, 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 And the caveat would be, I mean, if Saturday a trade is imminent, well, okay, sure, that's different. But if we're waiting right up until the deadline... It's, it's it's tough to to go down that road knowing where they are in a playoff fight. Sorry, the, the one thing I would add is that until Noah Hannafin is traded to another team, I would continue to circle back with him and, and see if there's there's anything I could do to convince him to stay. He just keeps elevating his game mm-hmm. despite all distractions. Now, I, I know the Flames have put a great offer out there, and maybe Noah's made up his mind for good, but uh, I'm not sure I'd wave the white flag on that until I had to. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, obviously that's a – it would be up to the coaches in terms of, you know, how hard are you pushing for the playoffs. And it depends for me what happens over the course of the next two games, right? Like you think about if they drop two straight, then they fall back even further. Mm -hmm. Then that would put me in alignment with you, Pat, in terms of, okay, maybe you don't take them on the trip you want to protect them uh so it 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 depends how the flames do in those two games depends how other teams do over the course of the next week as well but you if you win two if you win the next two you beat pittsburgh you beat seattle and you're continuing to push continuing continuing to climb i mean those are obviously two guys that are going to help you win hockey games. And we've seen that every single point matters. So if they're going to help you, if you win the next two, you want to go into Tampa and win a game? I mean, I say you take them and you play them. It's tough. Like, it is tough. It is tough. Yeah. I don't think there's any right answer to the, the other question. Thing too, the other thing for me is like it's also as a player, if your mindset going into a game is I can't get hurt, I can't get hurt, I can't get hurt, you're probably going to get hurt. <laughs> yeah, it's so so true. Like, you need to be going into a game thinking, not thinking about that and just thinking of going out and playing. So like that's the, the player standpoint for me. And quite obviously – that's not going through Chris Tanev's mind right now. I mean, we see the way that he played tonight and the way he ever. Exactly. So, you know, to me, as a player, that can't be something that you're thinking about. It's it's such a strange spot because, yeah, you're, you're fighting, you're pushing, you're in the mix. 
that game in Tampa is literally less than 24 hours until the deadline. It's like, okay, we're up with that. That's the time when you know you're pushing this thing right till the end, right? You're still in that limbo until, but that 24 hour period, you know, you've taken it right to the max. If something were to happen on that Thursday night, you'd almost be unable to dodge any of the criticism. Whereas anywhere else, you probably then could. Then it wasn't meant to be. Well, <laughs> here's the other thing. So you aren't going to be want to want to be short two defensemen going on the road with those two guys, expecting to have them in your lineup, and then suddenly they're traded, and you don't have enough defensemen to to ice a full lineup. So I think you have to factor that in too, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they've got. Dennis Gilbert and Jordan Osterley up right now, so they've got those two guys in their back pocket. But I don't know. It's it's a tough one, and who knows? They've got a few days between games here. Maybe something happens between now and and Saturday night. Could that that would make things a whole lot easier for mm-hmm. them if that were to be the case. Uh, okay, final score four two Flames over the L.A. Kings here at the Scotia Bank Saddledome. Flames have won four in a row, and now they don't play again until Saturday. It's Mika Kiprasov's Jersey Retirement Night here at the Scotia Bank Saddledome for an eight o'clock faceoff. Uh, Megan Mickelson, Derek Wills. My name is Pat Steinberg. Let's get some final thoughts from you two before we hear from head coach Ryan Huska, starting with Mick. Yeah, another really strong game for the Flames who just continue to show that they have that belief in the room and that that is what they're focused on is is making a push for the playoffs. And uh, you heard Blake Coleman talk about it. It, it, It's everyone that's chipping in and it's uh, winning by committee, four lines, 60. Everybody was rolling. And, I mean, Jacob Markstrom again, like he made some – some big saves. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like we've talked about him so much that we're talking about him less and less because it's like we just expect him to make a bunch of 10-bell saves in a game. But, I mean, a lot of these games you're not winning uh, without great performances from your goaltenders. So Jacob Markstrom uh, was excellent again for me and just really impressed by the response um, and the way that they, they, they're just playing with a lot of confidence, a lot of pace, a lot of intensity, uh, and a little bit of grit too. I like it. Yeah. The one thing that really jumped out at me, especially early in the game, is how fast they were playing. Uh, regroups and breakouts, and they just – we're on their toes from the get-go, and starts have been a strong suit for this team, especially of late. Uh, congratulations to Andrew Mangiapane. Yes. So when you're selected in the sixth round, 166th overall, I'm not sure you're expected to play a game in the National Hockey League. He's played 400, and he's been a good player in this league, and it was great to see him celebrate game number 400 with a goal tonight. Uh, that goal by Yegor Sharangovich was... As pretty a goal as he's probably scored, and he's scored on some nice one-timers this season. But, boy, that rush up the ice and that wrist shot was something. Uh, it was good to see him put the puck in the net for the first time in 12 games. It looks like hmm. he's starting to get a little bit more comfortable playing up the middle. And who knows? It took Elias Lindholm some time to really get comfortable moving from right wing to center way back when. And who knows? Maybe Yegor Sharangovich can, can do the same thing. Uh, and as far as the team is concerned, I, I just think it's – Really impressive that with all of the noise, and, and I know that uh, the coaches and the players talk about, you just got to block it out. We're professionals. Yeah, but they're also humans. Mm-hmm. They're hearing it. It's impossible for them to not hear it, see it. So this team ha- has really come together at the most improbable time for me. 
They've already made two trades. They know that there are probably at least two more trades coming. This is a tight-knit team, tighter-knit than the last couple of years, I would say. And they've got to be thinking about uh, losing two or, or more of their teammates between now and March 8th, which is now a week and a half away. But they continue to, to do their best, to block out that noise, and, and play their best hockey of the season. So uh, a really impressive run against four good teams going back to the start of last week. You beat the Jets, and then you beat the Bruins, and then you beat your biggest rival, the Oilers, and, and sometimes coming off an emotional win like that, you can expect a letdown. We did not see a letdown in what was a really important game against the Kings tonight. So uh, a tip of the cap to the Flames uh, for playing their best hockey, and uh, we'll see if it's too little too late. They certainly don't think so, and they're not playing like it. Uh, see you all tomorrow. Have a wonderful rest of your Tuesday. Thank you, friends. Thanks, Pat. Good night, Pat. Megan Mickelson and Derek Wills signing off on this Tuesday night. 4-2 final Flames over the L.A. Kings. Let's hear from head coach Ryan Huska. He just wrapped up his post game just a few minutes ago. How does it feel to see this team go on a series of winning streaks since mid-January? We know there was a lot of starting and stopping last year, but that's three, four-game winning streaks for your team since mid-January. Yeah, we have to keep stringing them together. I mean, if you look at one of the issues that we've had is a little bit of the consistency the other way where we've had a few losing streaks as well. But I really like the way we're playing now because I feel like it's, it's more sustainable and it's a, a pretty solid team game. So we were happy with our effort tonight. On Saturday, obviously, you played a, a pretty physical, emotional game in Edmonton. Yeah. This was a completely different style of game. Does it hearten you to sort of see your team find a way to win a game that's completely different than the game they just played? Yeah, and when you play against L.A., because um, you don't see the 1-3-1 a lot, sometimes it can give teams some trouble. But I was really happy with the way our guys prepared for it, and they executed tonight, which was nice to see. You guys had a pretty good first period, and then they score, and you respond almost immediately. Is that something that you can rely on, this group, just sort of knowing how to respond to those tough moments at this point? Um, well, I think they believe they, they can respond, yes. Um, getting it back right away, I think, helped. Scoring right away in that situation, you know, we talked a little bit about L.A. and the way they play. When they get up, they become harder to play against. Um, so it was nice to see us kind of score and then get the goal that put us up. So I know, like I said before, it was a good start for us. I thought we controlled a lot of the play tonight, zone time in particular, and it was a, a good way for us to finish it off. How would you characterize the role uh, Markstrom played tonight? I thought he was awesome. It's hard on goalies when they're quiet um, in the first period. Like, they didn't get tested a lot, so he had to... Um, keep his mind the right way, and I thought when called upon later in the game, he made some big saves for us. You talk about those winning streaks, but is this the best that you've seen your group put together in a stretch this season? Probably, yeah. I mean, because we're we're doing things the right way, and it's not just one guy that's contributing. It's, Jacobs had a huge impact in it. Vladdy had a huge impact in the game in Edmonton. But there's a it's it's been a team game where I think we've played with pace. I think we've played hard, um, and we've executed, which is allowed us to win these games. Is that, is that what you mean when you say you feel like this is sustainable, the way your group's playing right now? Yeah, because it's not just one line carrying you or it's not one player that you're relying on. It's more of a, um, a joint effort, I guess you can say. This four in a row now against teams in playoff positions, good, yeah. good teams in the yeah. league. Do you see a noticeable bump in confidence? Like, Is there a tell that this means something to your group? Oh, it most definitely means something to us for sure but they're on as funny as it sounds the stretches where we have dropped a few games they're 
mood or energy or belief in themselves around the room hasn't changed. And I think it's it's the same now. They're just you're coming towards the portion of the season where everything matters. And I think our older players, as we've talked about before, are raising their level. Um, and you know, they're being guys that can be counted on to to bring other people along. You've been around Andrew Mangiapane a lot in his career. Yeah. 400 games for him. He scores a big goal for your team tonight. Just talk a bit about what it's been like to see him grow to what he is today. Yeah. Um, well, there's the the few of them. Andrew, Oliver, Raz, um, how I've been around, I feel like forever. And they probably don't like it, but I do. I, I think they're great players. And for Andrew to be at 400 is probably a level that as a young guy, he probably never thought was possible or other people maybe didn't. Um, he probably believed in it and hoped that he would get to that point but he's a competitive guy uh, and he wants to help the team win and if that means it's it's him scoring a goal or killing penalties or, or getting chances on the power play that's what he's willing to do so it's nice to see him get the 400 game mark you mentioned the older guys raising their level and you've talked about sort of leadership uh, within this group so many times but you know there's so much of leadership that we don't get to see so just what has it meant that those guys have kind of we have they have elevated their game we've seen coleman Kadri, backland sort of step up in a, in a real way on the ice it, it becomes big boy hockey now and they understand that so there's a, a different way the game is played and it's harder along the walls it's harder at the net front and sometimes a younger player has to see um and they have to be put in those situations to get that experience where the older guys have done it before and Cads has won Stanley Cup uh, Coles has won two Stanley Cups and he understands that even at that level there's significant difference so y you see them raise it at this time of the year because they know the stakes are a lot higher. Can you talk about the night Sharon Govich had both the goal and the missed assignment on the on mm -hmm. their goal? It's nice to, for him to get it back I mean he made a great play on the change. He cut the pass off to start with, and then he just fumbled it a little bit. But the part you, you want to see him fix is getting beat back to the front of the net. But um, I, I thought he's done a really good job for us since we've asked him to play in the middle of the ice. He's been responsible defensively, and he's still – that line's developing a little bit of chemistry, uh, in particular him and Jonathan. And to see him score tonight the way he did was a big moment for our team for sure. But I know it allowed him to sleep a little better tonight as well. Is the defensive responsibility the biggest change for him going from wing to center? Um, yes, I would say. I mean, you're a little bit more free to leave the zone at times, and he's really good at that. You can't do that as a centerman. So he's he's got to be a little bit more responsible in certain situations of the game. How do you players get him to sort of buy into that? He's gonna He might sacrifice some offense by being more of the linchpin defensively as for, the center? Yeah, good question. But for for him, I think it's more of who he is, actually. Like, he, he's never been a guy that will, um, how can I put it, be front center or flashy about the way he plays the game. You watch him without talking to him, even as a winger, he'll be that third guy high most times in the offensive zone. It's just his instinct. And I think that's what allows him to be a guy that we can use in the middle of the ice like we are now. Did the players, uh, did they all get a chance to meet uh, Mika Kiprasov today? Um, most of them. He, he was around um, this morning a little bit. Uh, I know Jacob was pretty excited to meet him. Um, um, so I think most of them met him this morning. Some guys were on the ice when he was around at times. So I, I can't tell you for sure if everybody did. Are, are there significant merits to a meeting like that? Or most of these guys never played against him? Or yeah. Uh, no, they know all about him. They they really do. I mean, anybody that plays for this organization, there's some names that you know, and he's most definitely one of them. And, you know, for Jacob, um, there's a lot of great goalies around, but this is one guy as a youngster that he followed, which was pretty cool. And he's he's got his 
Kippersoft jersey made up. He's getting it signed. Um, just really cool how he appreciates how good of a goaltender he was, and he actually did follow him when he was a younger guy. Ryan, Andrew said tonight that this group feels like they've been counted out by a lot of people in terms of the playoff chase and everything that comes with it. Do you want them to embrace that? Like, can they use that as a, a rallying cry? Sure. I mean, they can use whatever they have to use. I mean, we're we're in a spot where we have to win games. And if that works, it works. I mean, we like where we're going right now, and we have to stay competitive, um, and we have to find a way to keep getting wins. That is head coach Ryan Huska post-game after tonight's 4-2 win over the LA Kings here at the Scotiabank Saddle. They'll make it four straight W's for the Flames. They'll go for five on Saturday. You just heard Ryan Huska talk about Mika Kiprasov. Saturday is Mika Kiprasov night here at the Scotiabank Saddle when that number 34 gets raised to the rafters. Our Flames Talk post-game show is underway on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. Call now, 40 three two four zero forty four forty four text now nine sixty nine sixty we're available on apple spotify google amazon or wherever you get your podcasts and our flames talk post game show continues next your phone calls and texts around the corner here on sportsnet 960 the fan the flames talk post game show continues from the hot stove lounge on sportsnet 960 the fan your final score, Flames 4, Kings 2, as we continue along from the Scotiabank Saddledome on this Tuesday night. Flames have won four in a row. Another really impressive outing for Calgary here at the Dome. And another really good win against a good team. And they went out there and, look, I mean, they, they probably didn't do a good enough job making things difficult on Cam Talbot in the first 40 minutes of play, but they still had the complete territorial edge, and they still were the better team, like, uh, rather substantially through the first 40 minutes of play, and uh, it was 2-2, and then in the third period, things evened out a little bit, and uh, the Flames still found a way to win this game, and uh, Yegor Sharangovich wins it with his 21st of the season with less than eight minutes to go in period number three. I like them again. They've been good now for four in a row. They were the better team against Winnipeg from start to finish on Monday of last week. They were outstanding against Boston and stuck with it for the overtime win on Thursday. They pounded the Oilers on Saturday and a really, really solid win against the LA Kings here tonight at the Dome. And hey, look, the, the, the thing that I have been most interested in is the fact that they've stuck with it and and they've done a, just a really solid job period of sticking with it here during this four-game win streak. You go back to the Winnipeg game and they were down 3-1 on the Sean Monaghan natural hat-trick and they stuck with it. They were the better team in that first period but the, the Jets just had managed to score a few goals and they stuck with it, come all the way back and won that game pretty decisively. Then against the Bruins, you know, they, they didn't really have an opportunity to take a large Large lead, but again, they never got away from it, even after the Bruins tied it twice and they went it in overtime. Against the Oilers, they were so much better than Edmonton to start that game, but then Edmonton pushed back. They got within a goal. They had all the momentum, and Dryden Hunt scores a huge goal, gets the momentum back. They Even when the Oilers were pushing, the Flames weren't frantic or panicking, and they won that game going away. And tonight, despite the fact it was 0-0 after a really good first, 2-2 after a really good second for the team, they 
weren't in the lead uh, after either of those periods. They came out and found a way to win it in the third period, and the, the constant would be they've stuck with it the entire time. Good on them, and they did it again tonight. Make it four straight wins. The unfortunate part is they've made up next to no ground. They are still five back of Nashville for the final playoff spot in the Western Conference. They're also five back of L.A. The Kings have two fewer games played than the Flames do, and uh, Nashville has one more game played than the Flames do, but uh, actually it's a one-game uh, one game stretch. So the Kings have one fewer game than the Flames. The Preds have one more game than the Flames, and they're five back of both teams in this Western Conference playoff race. Kings the number one, Preds the number two wild card spot as it stands right now. Okay, got a few phone lines open. If you want to chat tonight, call now, 403-240-4444, or fire us a text at 960-960. We'd love to hear from you on this Tuesday night. Right now, it's time for the save of the game. Brought to you by Shane Holmes. Jacob Markstrom gets the start in net once again, and Jacob's uh, save of the game comes in period number three. Things win that defensive zone draw and clear it out, and their leading goal getter Moore will shoot it in. Takes a weird hop right out in front, and Markstrom robs Fiala. The puck's still loose. They're whacking and hacking away, and the Flames finally get a whistle. That what a ends. weird bounce. That ends up being one of the 20 stops made by Jacob Markstrom tonight, and that is his save of the game brought to you by Shane Holmes for every save a Flames goaltender makes. Shane Holmes makes a donation to Kids Sport Calgary. Visit ShaneHolmes.com, the better way to build. And you know what? Jacob had to be very, very solid, even though he didn't get a ton of work, especially in the first 40 minutes of play. L.A. actually, I thought, played their best in that third period, didn't score, and a number of those 12 shots they got in the third period were of the high-quality variety. I think when it was all said and done, uh, the Kings ended with a 4 nothing. Uh, yeah, it was a 4 nothing edge in high dangers in the third period in favor of L.A. Jacob had to be sharp, even though there wasn't a ton of work. The Flames finished with 64.7% on the 5-on-5 possession scale tonight, so Jacob had a lot of time just kind of biding his time in his own zone, but he made some big stops when called upon, including that one one in period number three. Let's hear from him. Jacob Markstrom post game following a 4-2 win over the LA Kings. What do you see them in front of you these past few games? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of pucks, so what I mean with that, not shots, but I'm seeing I'm seeing the pucks, so they're they're doing a great job clearing out everything and taking away rebounds, so that makes makes my life a lot easier, and they, we're spending a lot of time in, in the opposite uh, zone, and you know, we're playing really good hockey right now. How hard was it tonight to really talk about seeing a lot of pucks? You didn't see a lot of, uh, you know, halfway through the game. No, uh, I mean, it's fine. You just got to try to stay calm and not start chasing it, and, uh, you know, they, they had a few few shots in the third, and, uh, you know, uh, I stopped a few, and, and the rest uh, got blocked or and cleared out, so it was, uh, it was a good team effort. Jacob, that's four in a row for your group. Outside of seeing the puck, what are you noticing about the group's overall effort to just, you know, get some pretty big teams? Yeah, it's good. I, I mean, we, you, if, if you want to have a chance to go to the playoffs, then uh, you... you you know, we're, we're chasing teams, so we, we got to go and run like this, so it's uh, that's good. Does it mean something against especially the team? I know you're just chasing, you have to beat everybody, but does it mean something against the caliber of competition? No, I mean, right now it's just you look at the standings and, uh, you know, they're, they're right above us, so 
you know that that means a lot because they didn't get a win and we got a win, so we we got two points closer, and uh, you know that's what it means. Are you a team that looks at the standings and you'll want to go to teams? Do you add, add anything to it? Uh, well, I think everyone, you know, we we got a goal to make it in the playoffs, and uh, so you know what's going on in, in the rest of the league, and you know I enjoy watching hockey, so it's. Uh, it's, it's good. Jake, can I just ask you about uh, Mika Kiprasov's night on Saturday? What do you know about Jake uh, Markham? What do you know about Mika Kiprasov? Or have you ever met him? Yeah, I met him today actually for the first time, and uh, you know, obviously, unbelievable goalie, and uh, you know, that's uh, that's a goalie. Uh, when I was old enough to stay up late and, and watch NHL hockey, he was, uh, you know, he was one of them for sure that I enjoy watching. So it's, uh, it was great to meet him today, and uh, you know, well deserved going in in the rafters. How did it feel seeing this team put together a series of winning streaks? This is the third four, four game win streak since mid-January. Yeah, it's good. I mean, it, it means that we can play really good and win tie games together. We just, uh, you know, kind of uh, can't win four and lose four. We gotta, we gotta keep going. Five assists now this season. Where's the playmaking surge come from? Oh, that's all the D and forwards. So that's uh, I'm just stopping the puck guy in the net. That is Jacob Markstrom post-game following tonight's 4-2 win over the LA Kings here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Phone lines open, 403-240-4444. Text line open at 969-60. Got a, a few lines open, uh, one line open right now if you want to jump in. Had a few people on board. They've dropped off, so one line open now if you want to chat following this fourth consecutive win for the Flames and another really solid win for Calgary, this time here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Let's get to the text line for the first time at 960-960. Uh, this says, another clutch win by the boys in red. Quite impressive hockey being played lately. I like the way it's trending. That being said, I wonder if they'll be able to keep it up without Hannafin and Tanev. Nonetheless, I'll enjoy it. In the meantime, go Flames. That comes from Scotty and Victoria. And that is kind of the, the main question, right? Like... Uh, what what does this look like when Hannafin and Tanev are, are no longer here? And I don't know. None of us know. I think that there is a good chance that we'll see it and, and, and the Flames will feel it because that's their top defense pairing. That's their shutdown D pairing. That's the, the pairing that goes out there against the, the best players on the other team night in, night, in, night out. So they're, they're definitely... <laughs> It's definitely going to be a huge loss for the team. There's there's no doubt about it. So I think that it's obviously going to be something that's going to be a diff, difficult adjustment for them. But what it ends up looking like, I don't know. I mean, I go back to the 14-15 season when right around this time the Flames lost Mark Giordano, who was in the Norris Trophy conversation at the time. And they still made the playoffs and it was Dennis Weidman and Chris Russell and a few other guys, you know, uh, in came David Schlemko, you know, and, and those guys stepped up, got the flames into the playoffs. And what did they end up doing? Well, they, they ended up winning around that year. Um, you take a look at Noah Hannafin, for instance, on Saturday night, he 
spent all night against Connor McDavid and was out there so often against Connor. Uh, in fact, I, I believe when it was all said and done for McDavid, um, he saw Hannafin more than anybody else on the other side of the ice. Uh, Hannafin played 8 minutes and 34 seconds against McDavid, and uh, Tanev played 8.03. That line, home or road, is being used as the shutdown pairing, the, the matchup pairing, it's going now. They've also got another high-end pairing in in Uyghur and Anderson, so they'll take on more responsibility in that regard. It'll put more pressure on on Shillington and Pahal, and then the third pairing will be something. Uh, Gilbert Osterley, maybe uh, a player or two comes up from the American League. But yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a difficult adjustment. But you know how is it gonna look? I don't know as of right now. It's gonna be really curious to see how things look after the March eighth trade deadline. Uh, this from Andy and Cochran. Uh, this says, great game by the Flames. Kadri slowed down a little after a puck to the gut. Pahal continues to impress, but they still need five points to tie, seven to take the wild card spot. Flames need to go on a deep run if they want to make the playoffs. And, and it's true. They're still behind the eight ball. Both the Predators and Kings are still very much in the driver's seat when it comes to this conversation, regardless of what the Flames do here. Uh, this says from Leandro, that's four in a row. Solid game from everyone tonight. Another complete effort. High spirits going into Kipper night. I know we normally chat about the night, but you can leave this for the end of the show if you want to answer it. How excited are you for Kipper night, and do you have a memory of him that's a favorite of yours? I hope all this trade stuff is all sorted by then so there isn't a small cloud ho hovering over what will surely be a fun night and maybe an extremely short speech. We'll see how long Kipper wants to go on Saturday night. The um, puck drop is eight, just after 8 o'clock. The ceremony goes at 6.20 p.m. Now, um, part of that is because they want to end it around 7.30 for the teams to warm up. So they'll do the event at 6.20 is when it'll start. It'll go probably about an hour, hour 10. And then from there, they'll... Uh, do warm-ups and, and teams will go back to the locker room, get ready, and then they'll drop the puck for 8 o'clock. So that's the way it's going to go on on Saturday night. How excited are, am I for it? I'm jacked up. Uh, the Jerome Ginla night was awesome. It was so cool to be a part of that night, and it's it's going to be really, really neat to be a part of Mika Kiprasov night as well. I'm just, I'm just so stoked they'll get to be in the building and be a part of the broadcast for it. Uh, I saw Mika today. Um, he's in the city. It's neat that he's back here. It's, it's just going to be a cool night that we've all been anticipating now since the announcement in the summertime as for a favorite memory of his um well the the, the thing that you know the one that jumps out to me most is that glove save he made on i believe it was Jakob kindle it was his last highlight reel save here at the Scotiabank Saddledome in 2013, he robbed Kindle of the Detroit Red Wings. And I'll always remember the the call from Peter Marr, who uh, just said, what a save by Kiprasov. And then he goes, uh, grand larceny from Mika Kiprasov. And it was just, it was so neat to see, so neat to hear. And uh, that that's one that will stick out with me for a while. I mean, the Scorpion save in San Jose, you'll remember um, the, the shutout against Detroit in game six of round two, you'll remember. Um, I'll, I'll always remember Mika Kiprasov's Herculean effort in a loss in game six of 2000 and 
08, I want to say. Uh, 07 or 08 against Detroit in round one. It was a double overtime. Johan Franzen winner that won the series for the Red Wings. But um, Mika Kiprasov was out of his mind that night. I'll always remember that night. Those, those are just a few that come to my mind when Leandro asks. Um, this from Kyle in Citadel. This says, this may come out wrong, but what a difference between Edmonton intensity and Calgary's normal intensity. It's not a knock, but it was such a difference. Excellent game, though. Really impressed with Hunt. Last few games, he's come out of his shell, throwing his body around, beating defenders to the puck. He's getting in the thick of it, and it's great to see. Um, Dad joke, why does the hockey rink get hot after the game? Because all the fans have left. You're welcome. Have a great week, sir. Um, I, I don't even... I'm missing the dad joke. I'm even missing the punchline on that one. Oh, no, because all the fans have left. I see. Now that is Kyle and Citadel, you are blocked permanently. You're never allowed to text in after that bad a dad joke. That is awful. Offside. Uh, I'm just kidding, but that, that was really bad, Kyle. Really, really bad. Uh, Derek in Edmonton says, another good back-and-forth game with a playoff contender. Strong game by Markstrom, as always. A nice variety of goals with the breakaway dangle, net front tap-in, sniper shot, and an empty netter to cap it off. Every day now, I wait for my phone to start blowing up with headlines and who's been traded and what the packages are. Yeah, you and me both, Derek. No doubt about that. Uh, this from Wedley. Don't dream it's over, Pat. Get that playoff spot. Flames uh, still rolling with the don't dream it's over. I, I like it, Wedley. I, I like the consistency. Um, this says awesome. Uh, this says Kelly, Rugi, Kelly Rudy said it best. Uyghur and Anderson were awesome tonight. That comes from Stephen Calgary. Uh, they played really well. Um, this says the fourth line's been really solid. I've been super impressed with Rooney's play. They had a solid bump-up shift after the Flames' power play was flat and the following shift, Yegor scores. They seem to have chemistry, and the coach seems to have confidence in them putting them out there with less than four minutes to go in a one-goal game. I know the coach said Kuzmenko would be ready for Saturday, but with the way the team is rolling, do you ch dare change it up? Who comes out for Kuzmenko? It'll be interesting to see what happens there is if, you know, does, does Ryan Huska feel like he wants to put Kuzmenko back with Huberdo and Sharon Govich? As a line, I, I thought that that line was just kind of, uh, through the course of 60 minutes, was just kind of okay. thought it got a little bit better as the night went along, especially in the third period. But of all the forward lines, I actually thought that one was the one that was the least effective through the first 40, but does end up being Sharon Govich who scores the, the game-winning goal. And I thought that line just territorially had a better third period than the first 40. Um my guess would be if they were to take anyone out, it would be Dewar. Um, and that's not even a knock on the way Dewar is played because that fourth line's been fine. But you probably would go Hunt to... I, you could do one of two things. You could take Hunt off the Sharon Govich line, put him with Rooney and Pelche, or you could just put Kuzmenko on that line with Rooney and Pelche. And, and you know what? I, I know he doesn't profile as a fourth liner, but... 
he is a right shot, and to get him back in after missing two games and put him in that spot to work him back, I, I my understanding is he was pretty run down after the illness that hit him on, on the weekend, didn't play in Edmonton. He has practiced a couple times but wasn't quite ready. If they want to bring Kuzmenko back in, maybe you do that as well. Uh, this from John who says, I think Hannafin will really be missed the way Bowmeister was. Different players but both underappreciated as Flames. I agree uh, wholeheartedly on that front John Zach and GP says is it just me or are all of these win streaks doing nothing for this Flames club if you go back to Feb 18 they were five points out fast forward up until today same story yeah they have not gained any ground the only the I mean they have gained ground on LA a little bit they're five back of LA with two more head-to-heads now the Kings do have one game in hand on them but they have closed that gap, gap a little bit they haven't really closed the gap on the final playoff spot they're five points back as of right now with a game in hand so if that game in hand a win then it's three but yeah they're they're they haven't really done a significant amount of damage moving up the standings but the bright side of that would be they have started to establish a pretty solid brand of hockey here they've won eight of their last 11 and i would say seven of those wins have been really solid you know the Arizona win that that started that last four game win streak prior to this one and the the first of the 8 of 11 didn't like that win but the win since then um, the three on the road, the Devils win, the Islanders win, the Bruins win, um, the ones here at home, the, uh, the the last three at home that they won prior to going on the road, uh, or the two rather, the, the, you had the, the Jets win, the Bruins win, the Oilers win on the road, and now this one against the Kings. So seven of the eight wins they've had in this 11-game stretch um, have been really, really solid. And, and I, I feel like they've established a brand of hockey. And one of those losses, the Rangers loss, I liked their game quite a bit that night as well. So they seem like they've established a brand of hockey that they have been able to stick with and play more consistently right now than they have at any point this season. So even though they haven't made up a lot of ground with, what, 23 games remaining this year, if they can keep hitting at that standard Maybe they will start to make up some ground. Obviously, yes, 55 and 8 are, are going to get moved here, and that's going to change things. But you're right. They haven't gained a ton of ground yet, but that doesn't mean they won't if they keep playing this way. This reads from Ash. Gutsy effort by the Flames. Is it me, or is Sharon Govich a solid player defensively on the penalty kill but struggles defensively 5-on-5? Five Finally, would you be in favor of a hypothetical scenario where both Markstrom and Vladar are traded away in separate trades with Calgarian Logan Thompson forming a tandem with Wolf going forward? I've heard rumors that Thompson is unhappy in Vegas. I, I don't know about the, the Thompson uh, and, and what his level of contentness is right now with the Vegas Golden Knights. I mean, he has been kind of supplanted by Aiden Hill as the number one when everybody is healthy. There's no doubt about that. They both are under contract for next year um, and then are UFAs after that. Hill's got the big deal. Thompson does not. I mean, 
I, I do think there is a possibility that both Markstrom and Vladar could be elsewhere next year. Yes, I think that is a possibility. Um, you know, I don't know what, what I want to – I think it's more than a negligible possibility. Um, so I do think there is a chance of that. I just don't know about Logan Thompson. I mean, if they could do that, go Thompson and Wolf, that'd be super neat. I just don't know what the possibilities of that would be. As for Sharon Govich, he is very good on the penalty kill, and he's been good on the penalty kill all year long, and he's just been a good penalty killer for most of his – NHL career where I think some of the struggles are happening five on five first of all it's a different game five on five you're doing things differently it's not just to get the puck the hell out um and and make good reads defensively make good outlets to get the puck 200 feet you know that's the main part of a penalty kill or one of the main parts of a penalty kill you know trying to defend 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 get the puck and get it out whereas at five on five it's more of a possession thing more of a down low thing try to generate offense thing uh, I, I just feel like the extra defensive responsibilities that go into the five on five game and and the off puck responsibilities at the 200 foot game I, I think Sharon Govich has got a chance of, of getting those things down. And, and by and large, it hasn't been a giant struggle defensively for him five on five. I found it's more been an offensive struggle for him in that regard in, in trying to be as dangerous and productive as he was on the wing. But I do think that there is an adjustment going on with Sharon Govich moving to center. And I think that adjustment will continue throughout the rest of the season here. Uh, this from Rick and Bragg Creek. It's a shame Hannafin doesn't want to sign with Calgary because he's the type of player you can build around. Agreed. He's been great and continues uh, to be great. Um, so, yeah, I, um, I I don't know. I'm I'm really impressed with the way Noah's playing. I'm really impressed with the way he's blocking out all the noise. And, yeah, it is too bad that he's not going to sign here. So, it's uh, and and now it's up to to Craig Conroy to see what the most he can get for him in a trade is between now and March eighth. Um, this says yes, Tanev and Hannafin are playing lights out and amazing. However, remember, pending UFAs do have a tendency to do that. They know the better the play they play, the more money they'll likely make on their next contract. And you know the thing about. First of all, on the Tanev front, he's not playing any differently or any better or worse than he always does. Tanev is, has been the same Chris Tanev he's been in all four seasons as a member of the Flames. And Hannafin just gets better every year. So do I buy the contract year theory? Many times, yes. Actually, in this circumstance, I don't buy the contract year theory on either Tanev or Hannafin. All Hannafin has done throughout his career is take steps year over year over year, and he's taken another one this year. So why should we be surprised by that? And on Tanev, he's just the same guy that he always is. So why should we be uh, why should we be surprised by that? A um, few more texts before we hit the phone lines. This says another outstanding game from Hannafin, but man, it feels like we're headed for another 14th overall pick. They still need elite talent, especially at number one C. Hopefully they aren't distracted from the long-term plan because of slim playoff hopes. And finally from Sam and Panorama, I was at the game and noticed Dryden Hunt was being very strong on the four chuck. Another pleasant surprise from a Wranglers call-up. There you go at uh, 969. 60 more texts as we continue along this evening but let's get to the phone lines for the first time tonight at 403-240-4444 flames win 4-2 over the la kings at steinberg along with you on apple spotify google amazon or wherever you get your podcast let's kick it off tonight by saying hello to george what's going on george not much patty what's going on with you tonight not much man all right my friend Let's start it off with uh, Mr. Dryden Hunt. I think he has been really, really good since his most recent recall. Um, really good. 
And it's funny, usually when they make those one-for-one small minor trades for, like I think it was the Horner they traded Toronto for Hunt, right, last year? Usually those trades work out for the other team better for us, but this time... Sorry, sorry, what did you you say before that, George? So, like, I remember in past years, we would make these little minor, minor deals with teams, and usually the player, what we would get back, the player we would send to the other team would play much better than the player we get back. Where in his case, the Dryden Hunt trade actually worked out in our favor. Oh, gotcha. Okay, yeah, yeah, for sure. He's he's been a nice uh, he's been a nice addition to the organization. He has been. It's just like like right now, there's no way I'm taking them out of the lineup at all. So it's it will. No, be I don't think it, who's who's suggesting do. he'd be coming out of the lineup. Oh no, no one's really suggesting it, but I know that there's. Talk about where, where, you know, if Kuzmeko comes in. I, I'm guessing Dewar's the odd man out, which I kind of want to go to him next because I've actually liked Dewar the last few games, especially um, with with this newly minted fourth line. To me, this is the first time all year he's actually looked like an NHL player this season. So are you just going to keep Kuzmeko out? No, of course. No, I, I would put him in. It's just... If I if I were making a decision, I'd be playing Dewar out too. But it's just I'm trying to be more or less complimentary of both players, specifically Dewar. Because Fair. I know no, I got you. Rough I got you. This year. Yeah, yeah. So I just I did I did want to you know pay homage to those two players, especially Dewar, because like let's be honest, he was I hate to use the word awful, but he was awful in the beginning. Like he like honestly, he did not belong in the NHL though he's playing. He he got sent to the AHL for good reason, but. I don't know what it was. Sometimes it's chemistry, right? Sometimes it's the players you play with. You put them with Rooney and uh, I don't remember who else is on that line now. There we go, yes. And all of a sudden now, like, it's working better for him, you know? So it's it's funny like that. But, you know, good on them both. And uh, it's funny, team, or Patty, it's it's this whole whole struggle thing back and forth. Again, like, you watch them. I'm, I'm happy to see them play the way they're playing right now. They're fun to watch. It's nice to see them win. On the other hand, it's like, is this team really going to draft 15th to 16th again? It's like five points behind. It doesn't seem like a lot, but it is because it doesn't, it doesn't like, Nashville doesn't look like they're going anywhere. You know, L.A. with a new coach, I mean, they've been better. So it's just. So what would you like them to do I, ideally? At this point, it doesn't matter because what, what I want is irrelevant. Like what, what, what. I think not to me, George. Them, what you want is not irrelevant to me. What I would like is the best draft position possible because I, I still feel like they can't make the playoffs. I feel like there's too much going against them. So what would you like them to do then? <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. There's one half. There's one part of me that's like, man, just you guys should lose. Not obviously on purpose, but it would benefit them to lose games on the other end. If they're playing this way and they deserve to get win games, win them. But, you know, the other thing is, and you guys spoke about it and you're right, once Hannafin and Tanner are of this lineup, I just don't think they can absorb that hit, Patty. And, again, it's not to talk badly about Uyghur or Anderson. It's just that's going to be such a hit. Like, you see that that, that block shot Tanner has at the end, the end of the game there that causes Backlund to score that empty netter. Like, take that. And even we saw in the playoffs, when they were in the playoffs, how big an impact it was when Tanev was out, even when Tanev was playing with one arm. Like, yeah. the way Hanneman has been playing this year. You know, like, it's just, if they can find a way to absorb that loss, honestly, 
color me impressed. Like, I, I those conversations between you and I are going to be very fascinating and interesting because if they can find a way to keep their heads above water when those two players are gone, that will be something. That's all I'm going to And it's going to be that. difficult be to do, but I don't know. There is. Uh, until we see it, we, we can't really make a call on it, can we? No, we can't. And at the same time, now that the inevitable is approaching, it, it is. It's kind of a somber. It, it puts me in a bit of a somber mood to specifically Tanev because I personally, like, have, that's, that's the kind of defenseman I like. I love that style of defenseman. You know, back in the day, you know, Robin Regeer was one of my favorite defensemen. I just, I have a, a, a soft spot in my heart for def- defensive defensemen that play that way. You know, they don't get all the glitz and glamour. And it's no disrespect, obviously, the defensemen like Hannafin, who, like, skate wonderfully and, and have offensive prowess, like, kudos to players like that. But I just, you know, there's a part of me that's old school that really appreciates what those type of defensemen do, and they're few and far between now. Like, there aren't a lot of Chris Tanev left in this league, you know? So he's, that's going to be a sad one for me. And and, and, and both both players leaving is really, you know, it's that team, it's going to affect the team, but... Again, they've come this far, and and I really do applaud them and appreciate the way they're playing right now. You know, it's just it's that whole struggle. It's like, oh, like now, you know, now, like too little, too late. I, I often think if that if they could have even went five and five at the start, like how much of a different conversation we'd be having, you know? Potentially about where they sit in the standings. Yeah, for sure. Yes. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. But it's what it is. Like I said, I, I watch on with fervor and uh, curiosity. And, you know, on to the next game. You're right. I'll, before I let you go, I will agree with you. I actually really dislike the fact we got away all the way to Saturday now for that game because that that seems to be a momentum killer for all teams when, they, when they're when they on a roll. You saw it happen with Edmonton. You know, they went 16 straight. That couldn't have been a worse time for them for that all-star break to happen, you know? And you see it now. <laughs> so... We'll see how it goes. But, you know, I applaud the boys for doing what they're doing with everything that's going on. I know it can't be easy and good for them. So uh, we'll definitely have a conversation Saturday night, Patty, because Mika Kiprasov is, in my opinion, the greatest goalie to ever play for the Flames with all due respect to Mike Vernon. Um, for me, it's Kiprasov, and it's uh, that's going to be a fun night. So uh, I look forward to our conversation then. Thank you, George. Be well, buddy. Yes, sir. You too. Okay, man, 403-240-4444 is your phone number following a Flames 4-2 win over the L.A. Kings. We're underway on your Flames Talk postgame show on this Tuesday night with Darren up next. What's up, Darren? Hey, how are you doing, Pat? Good. Hey, uh, I like that joke. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. It was actually... It was you know actually I mean? pretty. It was actually pretty good. I just, I'm yeah, just kidding. More than that, you didn't get it at first. Was like, that? I, I like more that you didn't get it at first. I, I was like, "What is this guy talking?" Oh, fans! Now I get it. <laughs> but uh, Saturday night, Kiprasov in town. Are we going to rest Marks and start him in net or what? <laughs> start start Kipper in net. Um, I, no, I, I mean, can't confirm or deny. Everything else has happened this year. That would be a nice touch. I think that'd be all right. Sure, why not? I think he got skunked on his hunting trip too. Huh. I'm not sure, but I think he did. Okay. And and as far as Mackenzie Weger goes, he's an outstanding defenseman, and he's playing with a lot of grit right now. I seen him smash his stick on the bench tonight, and he's into it. 
Yeah, that was after the uh, the the game tying goal that Fiala scored late in the second period. He did not like that one going in, and and good on him. You you always like to see uh, you always like to see a little passion like that for sure. And and look, if there's one thing we know about the way Mackenzie Weger goes about his business, is that that guy cares, uh, and he does not like to lose hockey games. He does not like. Um, he does not like being on the ice for big momentum swings and things happen against his group. And you know when they played Edmonton, no one no one tried to take him on at all. Yeah, it was um I, I thought the Flames as a group did a pretty good job of of standing up to the Oilers kind of trying to push him around a little bit. I thought they did a really good job of that. Yeah, I think I think Calgary uh, Calgary did the Edmonton Oilers the biggest favor the other night by beating them. How so? Well, Calgary plays a pretty gritty hockey style. Edmonton's they're high flying; they play for one period and they can win a game. They do have that ability, although they have they have turned into a, a pretty solid all round group since the awful start. Now you know they're going through it a little bit right now, but a big win against L.A. last night. Um, but yeah, they they definitely do have the ability when they, they want to. They can they can turn it up for sure. I'm pretty sure uh, Calgary showed Drysital and McDavid what they got to do, and the rest of their team has to do to win some hockey games. I mean, they, they, this is a group that was. It's they're not that far removed from being in the Western Conference Finals, so I, I think they have a better idea of that now than they they probably have in in prior years. How many interdivisional games do we have left? Uh, they've got uh, in terms of ones that that matter anyway. They've got um, two more with LA. One more with Edmonton. Uh, they've got one more with Seattle coming up. Uh, I believe they've got a couple, uh, one more with Vegas and two more with Vancouver, I believe. Wow, those two with L.A. are going to be huge. Could be, yep. And, you know, I'm just going to add this. I think because they've all stepped it up a bit, or quite a bit, I might add, um, I don't think they're going to miss Hannah and Antana. I really don't. I don't, I, uh, Darren, I don't think there's any way they won't like I don't think there's any way they they won't not miss them. They 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 will miss them. They're too good. They play too big a role. The question is, in my eyes, to what extent are they going to miss them? Um, have really really stepped it up. They have, but Hannafin and Tan have set the table for the entire team. And Anderson and, and Weger are very good. They'll be able to step in and, and take on a little bit more responsibility. But look, I mean, Pahal is is not Chris Tanev, and, and I think he's been a really nice player. And Shillington's a really good player as well. But now you're putting guys in tougher spots and now all of a sudden you don't have Shillington and Pahal on your third pairing. You're talking about Gilbert and Osterley on your third pair. It just, they, they, I don't think there's any way they won't miss them. It's to what extent. I don't think they'll miss them to make the playoffs. I really don't. I think they've got such a, a mindset right now that whoever steps into those two roles is going to help that team as much as they can, even at their level. Well, and if that's the way it goes, then I'll be impressed. And and I'm not suggesting that um, they – I mean, 
it's going to be tough for them to make make the playoffs, period. They're five back. They are behind the eight ball regardless of what happens. But yeah. I, I, I do think that – what happened in 2014 is is interesting. And when they lost Mark Giordano, they were able to stick with it and still played some good hockey down the stretch. So we'll see if they can do that here. I mean, they'll miss them, but it's going to be to what extent they miss them and to how to what extent they're able to mitigate it and still win the hockey games they need to between now and the end of the season. Uh, the Canadians got a first-round draft choice from Calgary, didn't they, this year? So it all it's all kind of up in the air right now about what when that pick or or what year that pick uh, ends up going to Montreal. They do have a first round pick that is going to Montreal in one of the next two drafts. We just won't know what draft until the end of the year. And Darren, do not ask me what the conditions are. There's just too many of them, and I, I'm not smart enough to be able to answer no, no. that. No, no. But what I'm what I'm getting at here is that. If they could, and it comes down to the point where, like, no one's taken it, and I know the negotiations are going to take a long time on Hannafin and probably Tanev too, and this is going to come right down to the last day. I'm not so sure. Well, uh, they might bite, they might not, the other teams in the NHL, but they might wait out Calgary, right? Well, in what sense? Well, I mean, they can wait out. If Hannafin can't sign long term, then then Calgary's not going to get much. So they would be better off to trade him to Montreal back for that first round, wouldn't they? I don't know. I mean, why would Montreal give anything up for a guy that's not going to sign with them? Montreal's not going to the playoffs. Yeah, true enough. They're not going to the playoffs, but be nice to get that first round back if you're going to get anything for him or you want a first round for him. Well, I mean, that's why that's why I think getting first round picks here is going to be really important because they, they are going to lose one in the next little while, whether it's this draft or the one after. I, I just hope it doesn't go down the Johnny Goodrow road. And, uh, well, they're not. They're not. Uh, and Darren, we got to wrap up. I appreciate the call as always. Uh, they're, they're not going to lose these guys for nothing. That whether whether they get the return that everybody thinks that they're going to get, that that remains to be seen. And if you listen to any of Flames talk on. Um, on Monday, we, we kind of gave you a, a little bit of a rundown as to why this has turned into a really complicated situation and why this is a little bit of a grind for the Flames in, in trying to maximize Noah Hannafin's deal. We, we, we broke it down a little bit on, on the postgame show on Saturday as well. There's only a select few teams that, that Hannafin is willing to sign extensions with, and without an extension, a lot of teams aren't offering um, really solid packages Packages for this guy um, and the teams that he is willing to sign with there may not be the ability to acquire him or there may not be the ability to give up the assets the Flames are looking for the Flames may not be able to get as much as they'd like for Hannafin we'll see what happens over the next nine days that's why Craig Conroy's the GM and and Frank Saravalli added a little bit to that on on his hit with us on Tuesday um, where he basically said that the the Hannafin camp has kind of uh, take held the Flames hostage in that hey only willing to sign with these teams we're telling teams we're not going to sign there so I'm only going to go as a rental which does hurt his trade value and that's where things end up right now and it's why I think we're talking about this thing going right down to the wire and why it might have to wait until the the the, vi- the final day Friday March 8th until we see Hannafin dealt somewhere 
I do think they're gonna get something back. Like uh, there's, this is not gonna be a situation where they walk for nothing. Both Tanev and Hannafin will either be signed, and we don't think that's going to happen. I mean, as of right now, they're getting traded, and I don't think that's changing. But Craig Conroy has said it, has been adamant about it that he will move these guys even if he doesn't end up hitting certain targets, the internal targets on what he wants back, he's still going to move these guys before the trade deadline and isn't going to let them walk for nothing. Let's say hello to Dale at 403-240-4444 on our Flames Talk postgame show tonight. 4-2 Flames win over the LA Kings. What's up, Dale? Hey, how's it going tonight, Patty? Good, man. That's good. Um, I'm a longtime texter. I've called in once a couple of years ago. Okay. Um, I think I'm going to call him in a little bit more often and try and make some more points that uh, maybe aren't as discussed as much on uh, the overtime call-in show. Um, try and make some u- unique points here. So, uh, first of all, it was a big win tonight, I think, um, because I think L.A. has the best chance of falling out of this playoff race just based on the clip that they've been on over the last couple months here and uh, based on the fact that we still have two more games against them. Like, they haven't really shown anything to prove that they're a playoff team, like if you base it off the last two months, and they don't really show any signs of improving besides when Kempe gets healthy. That'll help them a little bit, obviously. But uh, And we'll see what they do at the trade deadline, too. Yeah, fair enough. I guess they could buy. But uh, as of right now, they don't really look like a playoff team. Um, A point on Huberto. Um, I've liked to pay close attention to Huberto because – I'd like to say he's my favorite player. Obviously, it was hard to uh, um, get behind that as much last season at the start of this season. But I really do think that, especially in 2024, he might not be our best individual player every single night, but he looks like he's like our best player overall, if that makes sense. I might have worded that, worded that badly, but he he looks like our best player, if you know what I mean. Like, every time he gets the puck... He makes plays. He like so many little passes tonight. I noticed, especially on the power play. Um, he just looks like our best player. I would contend that would be Kadri for me, but I do think that Huberdeau looks a whole lot more like the offensively dynamic player we thought we were going to see when he got here and and he joined the Flames. And I do think we're seeing that on a more regular basis. To me, the guy who drives the bus and and looks like, you know, this team's best player for me has been Kadri. But I can can contend that Huberdeau has been in that conversation a lot more often than he has at any other point since joining the Flames. Yeah, fair enough. And maybe the better way to word that was that he's looked like our most dynamic player rather than our best player, but I, I agree with what you're saying. And um, I'd still, even still on that, I'd still go Kadri on that, but I, I know where you're coming from. Okay, fair enough. Um, you guys were talking earlier on Flames Talk today about um, like how you would put the lines together and how it's tough to uh, determine who's going to be on the first and fourth line based on our second and third line um, being kind of set in stone. Um, I really like the idea of a Hunt, Peltier, Rooney line right now, based on how Peltier right. and Hunt and Rooney are all playing. So, which would mean really you'd put Kuzmenko, line. you'd put Kuzmenko back on the Sharon Govich line. I would put him back there, yeah. Um, and you can kind of give them like the high offensive zone start rates, and uh, I think that Hunt, Peltier, Rooney line could be a good two hundred foot line and generate some mm-hmm. offense as far as the fourth line goes. Yeah, I do, I do too, and I, I think that's probably. And this is no knock on Dryden at all, but. You know, I think probably the best overall fit on that line right now would be Kuzmenko, uh, just in terms of how everything 
profiles and and how the players are are best suited and and honestly we've also seen some decent chemistry with Kuzmenko playing on that line so that that would be it for me too um and we'll see if they end up going back there for Saturday's game yeah for sure uh, a couple quick uh points on just like the whole trade deadline thing going on right now yeah um if we bring back a roster player um, in one of the two trades that are probably going to happen, you have to assume that they're probably going to be a defenseman, right? Because our top 12 forwards, when Kuzmenko gets back, are kind of set in stone. And um, like I just said, it would kind of be rupturing what we have going on right now. So assuming that the uh, we brought back a roster player that was like a defenseman, either a middle six or a bottom six defenseman, um, we're not actually going to be too much worse off than we are right now. I know you were just talking about this with Darren a little bit, but um, like I don't know how much it's really going to disrupt what we have going on right now, assuming that uh, you bump Shillington up to the second pairing, and then maybe the player we get back fits in there or maybe fits in the third pairing you move Pahal up. But uh, um, assuming we bring back a defenseman, I don't think we're going to be looking too, too bad as far as continuing to contend. I I don't know. I I don't think you're given enough credit for how important Tanev and Hannafin have been to what's going on right now um, and to how important they've been all season. And again, I'm not saying they can't continue to stay in it at all. I just, there's there's no way in my mind that they won't miss those guys. They, they, that's their top pairing. You, you don't take a top pairing from a team that is one of their biggest strengths is their top four. You don't take half of that away and then just be fine. You know, I, or, or you don't feel it. Do I think that they can mitigate it? Do I think that they can um, overcome it? Sure. I just, I, I think it's important to point out just how good Hannafin and Tanev have been so good all year long against top players on the other side they just that that I I don't think you're given enough credit for how much of a loss that'll be in saying that I also think that there's a chance they can mitigate it and still stay competitive with with how committed this group has been to to playing a team game here over the last little bit I just I, I I just think it's important to point out how important those guys have been this year yeah that makes sense I guess I mean I guess I kind of meant more mitigating it rather than that they wouldn't miss them um and just like with how Markstrom's playing and with how the forwards are playing and stuff they definitely would miss them but um I agree that they I mean they'd hopefully be able to mitigate it but I guess we'll see um one last little point about the trade deadline um the one thing that I keep seeing online, I don't know how much truth it in, is in it, but uh, the Dallas is the front runners for Tanev. And the kind of the thing that's holding out or causing it to stall a little bit is that the Flames are trying to work a first-round pick out of them, but they're trying to kind of add a second plus. Um, I don't know if those are the exact things or whatever. Obviously, we won't know till it happens. But mm-hmm. um, I kind of wish that these moves would just happen a little bit quicker because it's just – it's funny how, like – if you're the Dallas Stars GM, you're probably thinking, obviously you can't guarantee that, he's probably thinking, wow, it wouldn't be the end of the world if we moved our first-round pick for Tanev. We probably re- could use him, but let's just try and grind the Flames into accepting this deal instead. But um, don't you think that they should be taking into account the games that they have to play without Tanev in the meantime until the trade deadline? Like, Don't you think that there would be value in sacrificing the first rather than the second plus to get five extra games out of Tanev on their roster? I would say that if they were really fighting for anything overly important. I mean, right now, Dallas 
even without Tanev, is fighting for top spot in the in the Western Conference and, and the number one seed in the Central. Like if they were a team that um, felt that they had Stanley Cup aspirations, but maybe their playoff spot or a home playoff spot or or something, or you know what I'm saying, where things were a little bit more tenuous, I, I might I might be a little bit more on board with that, or or might. I, I might be a little bit more just like, yeah, yeah, that, that's that's exactly what they should be thinking. But because the Stars are going to make the playoffs and because there's no real danger of that not happening and because even without Tanev, they're a, a, an absolute wagon right now. I know they lost tonight against Colorado, but um, like for them, they're trying to bring a guy in to help them win a Stanley Cup. And for them, they're going to try to pay the absolute least for that that they can. I, 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 I get why they're trying trying to wait out Craig Conroy and same reason I get why Craig Conroy is trying to wait out the stars, trying to get the, the best possible return. Fair enough. Fair enough. I was just kind of thinking that like, obviously you want to finish as high as possible because you want to ensure as many uh, home ice advantages in the playoffs as possible. Like it, it could possibly be the difference. Like if they were going to run between like a, uh, like a Western conference final. Like, I don't, like, I, I, I don't think what you're saying is like, I don't, I don't think what you're saying is irrelevant or think it's like, Oh no, there's nothing to that. I, I do. I, it's a, it's a, strong point I just think because of how good Dallas has been this year and and how good a situation they're in right now maybe it would be a little bit less of a motivating factor than maybe in other situations that's all fair enough fair enough one last point before I let you get to someone else Um, I hear a lot of people talking about how they're kind of juggling between like wanting the team to tank and wanting them to make the playoffs and cheering for them to win and cheering for them to lose yeah Um, I kind of I kind of just wish that more people would kind of take an approach and I'm not telling people how to cheer for the team, but the way that I'm kind of trying to look at it is just, um, we're all flames fans. We all care about the team. Just watch the games, cheer for them to win, be happy when they win, be sad when they lose and just trust Conroy. Cause he's made good moves so far. Trust that he's going to do the right thing. And it's our job as fans to just cheer for the team. So I just, I don't really understand how anybody could actively cheer for the team to lose. Like you can cheer for them to end up in a, like you can be happy if they end up in a certain situation, but um, I think it makes more sense to just cheer for them and just whatever happens happens and trust Conroy. Appreciate the call tonight, Dale. Good stuff. Hey, you should call back anytime. For sure. Have a good one. You too, man. Thank you. Uh, let's say hello to Anand on the phone lines tonight. What's going on, Anand? Good evening, buddy. How are you? I'm good, bud. What's kicking? Yeah, I was at the dome tonight. Surprising, I got a I won a pair of free tickets. So I was at the dome tonight watching the game. Uh, finally, my record has turned around to one four and one this season. So I'm happy that they won. Well, this is tonight. your first. This is your first win that you've been uh, in the dome for. Yeah, this season actually. So last okay. season was five zero and oh, this season one four and one. So okay, yeah, my so first you're, you're win. Back this on the winning season. side yeah. of things. Okay. Yeah. That's what I like. So, yeah, thank you to the friends for winning tonight. Yeah, a couple quick points and maybe a couple questions as well for you. Uh, so, first of all, congratulations on Majupani for his 400th game and as well that goal. Oh, my goodness, that was amazing to see. It was uh, it was on the shooting side uh, where I was sitting very scored, so that was wonderful to see. Uh, second point, uh, Coleman, he conti- continues to be fantastic and put on the score sheet. Uh, that was my, uh, that was amazing. I was going to ask you if, uh, what you call Sharon Govich being in the center was becoming a little, 
uh, what do you call, not putting him offensively, but uh, tonight he scored. So I'm going to keep that question aside for a later day, probably to see if he's gelling well in center. But I think he did that tonight. Uh, so that was wonderful. Oh, and Mark, he, he continues to be awesome. Uh, did you see that one uh, funny stat where he, so Marshall has now uh, five assists and five points all this season long so far? Yes, I did. I've I've also seen that he has the exact same stat line as Connor Brown of the Edmonton Oilers. I've seen that out there uh, a couple of times today as well. Yeah, I was uh, going to mention that, but I thought I'll leave it out just in case if he'll get mad or anything. But uh, yeah, that uh, you think I would get mad at that? <laughs> no. Just if, no, just I think that's funny. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, I, I when 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 you can when you can have a fun stat like that, I I, I wouldn't get mad about that. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> All right. And then yeah, uh, I was little scared uh, during the game uh, towards the end of the third period, uh, where I think Kings had a bit of uh, the flames on their heels. But then I'll, uh, that one big save from Marky, and then uh, later on Sharangovic and he put it in, so that was wonderful. Uh, my question, a couple of questions relating to the trade, actually. So uh, we were talking about earlier itself, uh, but uh, Dallas Stars are interested in Chris Tanov. Uh, they are uh, looking for a first, uh, so Flames are looking for a first-round pick, uh, but Dallas is not budging. But I did see an idea somewhere else. Uh, can they settle for a second-round pick, uh, pick or are they really trying to push for a first-round pick? Do you know? Well, I, I, they are trying to push for a first-round pick without question. The whether yeah. or not they will settle for something less remains to be seen, and and that's going to be. You know that's going to be the the really interesting thing here now as we move towards the deadline is that I fully believe Craig Conroy will move these players and will take the best offer that he can get um, when the deadline is here. Up until the deadline and until the deadline is here, until that deadline forces action. I think Craig is going to continue to try to maximize these assets and get the the most possible for both Hannafin and Tanev. So do I think that there is a potential that he'll just at some point be forced to take the best possible offer? Yes, if if teams wait him out. But part of his job as the GM is to mitigate that and and to combat that by getting more teams involved, playing teams off one another, outweighting teams, not getting pushed around, and proving that you know what he's he's going to take this until the last possible minute to to make a deal. So I don't think that it is a, a guarantee that Conroy will or will not hit his targets yet when it comes to these players. I think he is going to wait it out as long as he can. And, yeah, when it's all said and done, they, they may not get a first-round pick for Chris Tanev. My gut says they will get a first-round pick for him, but, you know, in the end, they, they may not. Um, but I still think that the way Conroy has handled this whole thing has been it, – it's he, he's – I believe handled it the best way he possibly could knowing the circumstances and when the deals are all made and when the decisions are all made and the dust is settled come you know the afternoon of March 8th 
I think that you, as a Flames fan, you can take a lot of solace in the fact that Craig Conroy did everything he possibly could to get the best returns for these players. Yeah, I truly agree with you. Yeah, so far I've been impressed with the trades he's been making. And yeah, hopefully he can put the pedal on the foot for at least the two trades we're expecting. Uh, one other question. So in case, uh, let's say we don't, uh, I know we talked about this idea as well, but in case we don't get a roster type player for a de- defenseman, in case uh, if it becomes a later down the year uh, or draft pick, uh, with the current roster wise, do you expect maybe either uh, Kuznetsov or maybe Solovio to get uh, called up to the team to uh, replace Tanev and Hannafin down the road? Potentially at some point, yeah, I think that's a possibility. Um, I also think that Jeremy Poirier is an interesting name to watch. He uh, is back skating. He's still a little ways away from playing, so it's not like that is imminent, but I wonder at some point if Jeremy Poirier of the Wranglers doesn't get a little bit of an opportunity at the NHL level. But yeah, I think Solovyov and Kuznetsov could absolutely be players that get an opportunity again. They still have Gilbert and Osterley too, remember that. So uh, they'll probably, well, they'll definitely be factored in to the conversation here too. Okay, gotcha. And final couple points, yeah. If he had maybe won a couple of those uh, San Jose Shark games or even uh, Blackhawk games, we could have probably been in the wildcard spot conversation without being in uh, five points out even if tonight happened, right? Yeah, I mean, and and for sure. There there have been games this year that had they not – pissed away a couple of games against teams they should have beaten, um, then then they would be in a better spot. But, you know, that, that's they, – they can't there, – there's no doubt about that. But the they are where they are now. They've got 23 games to go, and they still are, at the very least, in the fight. And we'll see if they can do better against some of those teams to close out the year. Okay, gotcha. And final uh, point also, yeah, Kiprasov, um, I haven't seen him play because I would have been uh, like one or two year old when it was uh, when he was playing as a goaltender. But seeing the highlights today um, showed me how wonderful of a goalkeeper he was. So congratulations, and it will be an amazing ceremony on Saturday. Do you know if that will be televised so I can watch it from home? I don't know um, off the top of my head. Let me. Fi- I've got a few yeah. questions about that. Let me uh, check with my Sportsnet colleagues, and I, I'm sure it'll be available somewhere for you to watch for sure. Whether it's on Sportsnet, whether it's on uh, the Flames website, I, I'm I'm quite certain it'll be available somewhere for people to watch. Sure, if you can find out that for me, that would be appreciated. And final question for you uh, regarding, because we are cricket buddies now, uh, Have you? do you have a specific team that you have watched, uh, enjoyed watching, whether it be international-wise or IPL-wise? Uh, IPL, no. I, I kind of just like watching the IPL because I, I just love the way they broadcast it. Um, yeah. As for... Uh, as for 
international teams. Uh, I've always been partial to Australia. Uh, I don't know why, but uh, it's always been Australia. Also, also, I found out it'll be on Sportsnet 360. So uh, thanks to uh, Austin of the Calgary Flames, you just texted me. Uh, it'll be uh, Sportsnet 360 is where you'll be able to watch it. So it won't be coast-to-coast on Hockey Night on CBC and Sportsnet West, but Sportsnet 360, uh, which uh, most people have on their cable packages, you'll be able to watch it there. All right. Thank you, Pat, and thank you, Austin, as well, for letting me know. All right. Have a good night, Pat. Thanks so much, and talk to you on Saturday when we play the Penguins. Thank you, Anand. Appreciate it, my friend. Phone lines remain open at 403-240-4444. Text line remains open at 960-960. More of your phone calls, more of your texts as tonight's Flames Talk postgame show continues. It's Pat Steinberg along with you on a Tuesday following a 4-2 win over the LA Kings. And uh, how about Andrew Mangiapane's night? He was your number one star, scored a highlight real goal in his 400th career NHL game. Let's hear from Mangiapane post game inside the Flames locker room tonight. For this group, what has been the uh, the recipe for this type of success against some heavyweights and divisional rivals? I think uh, when we play together as five, right? Um, nobody's kind of doing it kind of individually. It kind of takes everybody and that takes everybody uh, throughout the whole lineup, right? Uh, everyone's got a, a job, an important role. And, um, takes takes everyone to win right uh, for our team and uh, that's what we're doing right now we're all playing together uh, playing close and we're doing it for each other it feels like you guys are very up for the fight like when they score it seems sort of inevitable that you guys are going to come right back up and, and up the tempo a little bit is that yeah yeah i thought we were playing a pretty good game and then they got the first one and uh I think everybody on the bench was just saying, you know, keep going, keep playing the way we are, and uh, kind of don't let up, right? Uh, and that was our kind of, that was our answer, right? We just knew, okay, let's just keep playing the way we are and uh, keep cycling it down low and breaking them down and tiring them out, right? Uh, we knew that they were playing uh, back-to-back there, so uh, we just wanted to keep it in their end, and low to high, get pucks to the net, and um, just create lots of chances for us. You're not going to come out and say that, you know, that was a nasty, that was a pretty goal. Yeah. yeah, it was a... Uh, and nice to score, obviously, right? Um, 400th game there for me, so it's a little bit of an up and down roller coaster for me uh, coming into the league. So I'll play 400 games and scoring in, it's uh, definitely a, a nice, uh, nice feeling. For me. When you're going in on a former teammate like that, do you have a moving line? Do you know from the past? Uh, yes and no, right? Because then he thinks that I'm doing, I'm doing that move or whatever it is, right? It's kind of head games, right? So I was uh, lucky to get one past him tonight, and uh, yeah, he's a good goalie. So he's, like I said, I was happy that I was able to go in. But that's not. Last time here is it? the fact that you know you get drafted and you had to battle pretty hard to get here. 400 games. I know you yeah. want to continue and double that, but yeah. to score on a pretty important night for yourself. What yeah. Does that mean? Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's huge for me. Huge for I think uh, my confidence and all that. Right. Uh, I play um, with more confidence kind of every night, and uh, yeah, it's definitely a nice milestone to achieve. Uh, I didn't know if I was going to play one NHL game, right? To get to 400, uh, it means a lot to me. Andrew, yeah. we'll, we'll all break it down and say, you know, geez, that's four in a row against teams in playoff position. What what message does that send? What what's it tell this group inside the room about what you have? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we're never giving up, right? Uh, obviously, we're kind of out of the playoff picture right now, but um, the way we're playing, we want to keep playing like this and kind of crawl back in and kind of be one of those kind of sleeper teams that everyone kind of counts us out, right? So. Uh, we've been playing the underdog uh, kind of role, I felt, whole season, right? So we just got to keep 
taking it game by game, obviously, and just just focus on the next one and uh, keep playing as a group and keep playing as a five-man unit. Are you going to watch it? Are you going to look and see you guys jump a couple teams a little closer to L.A.? Yeah, yes and no. I like to watch hockey. Uh, I'm uh, kind of like to you know, keep up with the, the stats and watch games and things like that. So obviously I'm going to going to check that but um, like I said though it's out of our control to kind of watch and hope for teams to lose or for other teams to beat teams ahead of us or anything like that there's still lots of games and uh, can't really focus on that we just got to focus in here and, and keep uh, building on what, what uh, we're doing right there you go that is Andrew Mangiapane post game following his big goal and the Flames big win over the LA Kings here at the Scotiabank Saddledome as we continue along in your Flames Talk post game show we're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon or wherever you get your podcasts phone lines are open it is last call though if you want to jump in now is the time to do so 403-240-4444 text line open at 960-960 We'd love to hear from you on this Tuesday night following a win over the L.A. Kings. Let's select tonight's Player with Heart, brought to you by HeartFit Clinic. Boy, a lot of different ways uh, we could have gone for the Player with Heart in this game tonight. I'm going to, when it's all said and done, I'm going to go with the guy, though, that we just heard from. I just thought Andrew Manchapani uh, played one of his best games of the season. He's been really good since going back on that line with Backlund and Coleman, but tonight he just looked like he was shot out of a cannon from start to finish. Uh, he finished this game with uh, eight shot attempts four shots on goal he obviously scored the goal he led the team with six scoring chances and led the team with four high danger scoring chances Manjapani was just all around it and dangerous uh, from the start of this game until the very end and uh, I, I just had to go with him I know he was also the number one star tonight but I'll go Andrew Manjapani is tonight's player with heart brought to you by HeartFit Clinic for heart fit assessments and proven treatments not available at your doctor's office visit HeartFit Let's go back inside the Flames locker room for a final time as Yegor Sharangovich scored the game winner in tonight's win with less than eight minutes to go. Here's Yegor post-game following his 21st goal of the season. Nice to get back in the scoring. Yeah, it's real nice. You know, it's a long time I can't score, and but, you know, our line always have, you know, chances to score, and... Yeah, finally, we find a way and score two goals. Is it, it, are you finding it harder to score goals as a centerman because of the added responsibility? Uh, yeah, it's a little bit different role, you know, because you're really responsible about, like, D-zone because you need to, the, you know, have good D-zone and no goals against. And, uh, I don't know, it's, yeah, it takes a little bit of time, but I think enough and zone doesn't change it, nothing, you know, and... How I say it, they had a lot of chances, and finally, back is gone in. Yegor, what's been the, the key for your team now you beat four good teams in a row? What's been the key to this stretch of hockey? I think key is just when we play, you know, team, you know, for each other, and, you know, don't do it like uh, a lot of mistakes. I think we can win, like, the number of kinds of team, and just need to play, you know, like a team. 
That is Yegor Sharangovich, short and sweet for the game-winning goal scorer tonight as the Flames make it four straight wins with this 4-2 win over the LA Kings. And now, time to look ahead. Looking ahead, brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech, fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how they use a patient's immune system to battle cancer, visit Oncolytics Biotech. Dot com. Next up, uh, Saturday against the Pittsburgh Penguins here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Not only is it Mika Kiprasov night, he'll get his number 34 jersey retired before the game. It's also a game against Sidney Crosby and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Second and final meeting between the Flames and Penguins this year. Pittsburgh took the first one in game two of the regular season back on October 14th. 5-2 was the final score in that game. Overall, Flames 3-1-1 in their last five head-to-head games against the Penguins dating back to the start of the 21-22 season. So that's next up for the Flames. Then they finish off this homestand one week from tonight. Uh, Monday, actually not one week, less than one week from tonight. Uh, this coming Monday, they wrap up the homestand against the Seattle Kraken. Then they uh, kick off a three-game road trip Thursday, next Thursday, against the Tampa Bay Lightning. That is Looking Ahead, brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech, fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how they use a patient's immune system to battle cancer, visit Oncolytics Biotech. Dot com. Back to the text line. We go at 960, 960. Uh, this reads, is it more likely Hannafin will be dealt as a rental or with an extension in place? Um, well, I don't know if it's going to necessarily be the extension is in place right away. He might get dealt to a place he's willing to extend, and maybe it takes two or three weeks until an extension comes about. That's a possibility as well. But when it's all said and done, I think it is more likely that he does get traded to a team where he will extend. I think it is going to be a grind to get it there, and I think it's going to be a grind to get the type of return the Flames want from one of those teams, but that would be my handicap on it, but that's just a guess. Uh, but we, we shall see over the next nine days if that is the case. Neil in the Northeast says, another solid team effort. The identity this team has carved out is one of hard work and determination. I think Huska should get full credit for the players developing said identity. He clearly has their respect and has done a good job redrafting lines throughout the year. Do you think he has any chance at the Jack Adams if the team were to sneak into the playoffs? Just wondering because it's often given to a coach who does the most with least I don't know I have no idea and I only say that because the Jack Adams it, it kind of it, it's weird something usually it's given to one of those coaches for sure um, like I, I think I think your shoe-in winner for the Jack Adams is going to be Rick Tockett in Vancouver, the number one team in the NHL. Nobody saw that coming from Vancouver. So I think that the um, I think the Jack Adams is is probably going to go to Rick Tockett. Um, but, you know, I, I bet you that we see Laviolette's name in there. I bet you we see Rick Bonus's name thrown around in there. I bet you we see Paul Maurice's name in there. You know, Jim Montgomery was, was in there last year, but I, I bet he gets some consideration. Uh, so do I think he should or shouldn't? Myself, my, I, I don't really... I don't really have an opinion on the Jack Adams because it, it it never really seems to go to the best coaching job necessarily or or doesn't always do that. Um, 
a lot of times it's like what co- what coach was with a team that maybe exceeded expectations seems to be the way it has gone some years. Not not every year. I mean, the, the record-setting year that the Lightning had, they were supposed to be a really good team, and John Cooper still won the Jack Adams that year, even though they got swept in the first round. But um, my guess would be no, he, he doesn't work his way in there just based on how voting goes. But I will say that I do think Ryan's done a really good job. I, I quite like the the job that Ryan Huska has done this year. Um, I, there have been some adjustment things that that he's had to learn on the fly, and and I think that there have been some things or some decisions that he would take back. And in hindsight, of course, but and I, I don't even know specifically what they would be. I'm just saying that generally. But I, I I like the way he's got the team to play for him. I like the buy-in he's gotten from the team. I, I do like some of the way he's he's shuffled his lines and and he's shortened his bench in games i i i've quite liked the way that ryan husk has gone about his business this year i have uh what else we got here at 96960 uh this says patty curious how would you look at curious how you would look at one of the first the flames have for zegris would prefer the canucks pick and seems like the ducks are done with him been a long time since they've had a dynamic young center have heard zegris isn't a great dressing room guy though i mean I, I think Zegris is a really, you know, exciting player. He's a center iceman. I don't think he's ever going to be an elite center iceman, but I think he has the chance to be a good center iceman. Like, I don't know if he's going to be a true one in this league, but I think he's going to be a good center for a long time. Um, I guess a couple of things. He's an American guy on a short-term contract, I don't know, and an American guy who, and this isn't even said in a derogatory way, but he's an American guy who likes the spotlight and and likes to be, you know, part of the show. And so I don't know if a small market Canadian team is, is the best spot for that. And because of that, I might shy away from Zegras. Otherwise, I don't mind. I don't mind the showmanship. I don't mind. I, I think he's actually a really engaging young man. Like I quite like the player. I like the personality. I just would worry about uh, him being here for the long haul. So I would probably not in that respect. Uh, this reads, um, too bad this team may have to trade away two good defensemen because I seriously think they're one or two skilled players away from competing for a cup. Unfortunately, once they trade those two D-men and whatever they get in return, it'll be too late. But what an effort they've made this year to play some really good hockey. Uh, this says, uh, will we be able to watch and listen to the Kiprasov ceremony? I'm happy with Conroy's moves overall. The only thing is, if the organization wants to stay close, it makes no sense to trade Markstrom, even though his value is sky high. You need a high-caliber goalie for success and foolish to let one go when you have one. They're only trading Markey if they're also happy to tank. Thank you for all you do. Love the post-game show. Uh, okay, first of all, on Kiprasov, yes, you'll be able to listen to the entire thing. Uh, our Pre-game show on Saturday starts at 6 p.m., so we'll be doing a two-hour pre-game show for the game against the Penguins, which will include in its entirety the Mika Kiprasov jersey retirement ceremony. So yes on radio, yes on television, uh, over at Sportsnet 360. So we've got it for you on television and radio, Sportsnet 360 on television, and of course right here on Sportsnet 960, the fan on radio, the Kiprasov ceremony in its entirety. Um as for Markstrom, 
you know, if you go listen to Frank Saravalli from earlier on Tuesday, he said he believes there's only one team in this mix for Markstrom. It's New Jersey. Um, so if New Jersey steps up to the plate and if New Jersey offers a, um, a package that the Flames honestly can't refuse, then maybe it happens. But I think of the three big names, Hannafin, Tanev, Markstrom, uh, there's a pretty big gap between the likelihood of Hannafin and Tanev absolutely being traded and Markstrom, it feels like less likely that we see a move for him at this point. This from Jose, who says, maybe this is another one of my crazy ideas, but has there ever been a thought of putting Huberdo at center? Not sure why Sharon Govich is at center right now. Has he played center before, and uh, the coaching staff just went with his previous center experience? I think Huberdo's 200-foot game has evolved immensely, and maybe I'm out to lunch, but would it be ridiculous to consider putting Huberdo at center? Has he ever played it before? I've seen him take the odd face off, and he's been decent. Any thoughts? I don't like it, Jose. Uh, he hasn't played center at the NHL level in a long time. Uh, he is capable of doing it. If you go to his hockey DB, he is listed as a center and has played the position before, but has played it very seldom in the NHL and hasn't played it in a long time. We're also talking about a guy who is an offensive wizard when he's on, and a guy that um, I I still am not enamored with his 200-foot game to the point where I'd be like, yes, move him to center ice. Uh, he's still... And, and that's that's not even a criticism. You know, just like the defensive side of Huberdeau's game has never been his strong suit. It's something that he's been working on all throughout, but I, I would not... Two things. I'm not moving him to center because he's finally playing his best as a member of the Flames, and he's finally being the offensive producer they need him to be at his natural position or or the very least the position he's most comfortable at, and that's at left wing. So that's number one. And number two, and, and, and so by moving him to center now all of a sudden he's learning a position he hasn't played in years and years and years and he's finally producing at a point per game clip like honestly the more I think about it the more that uh, I I would say in my mind I wouldn't do that in you, you could not convince me that's a good idea to move Jonathan Huberto to center and that's not even uh, trying to um to, to be too harsh on my boy Jose I just I don't I don't like the idea Jose I really don't uh, I think that he had 115 points as a left winger he's a point per game player right now he's finally being a point per game player and he's doing it as a left winger I think Sharon Govich to the middle makes more sense do I think that's the long-term play nope I think they'd like to go out and add another center iceman, whether it be in one of these trades or whether it be in the offseason. I'm not even saying going out and getting a bonafide number one, just another natural center so that Sharon Govich can move back to the wing. And um, I, I'm not moving Huberdeau to the wing myself either. Um, this says uh, from Josh, great game. Hannafin was simply outstanding again. Markstrom's solid. It's too bad they'll trade Hannafin because he just gets better and better, it looks like, but it just means they'll get a bigger return Thanks for the great show. This says, anyway, the Flames keep Hannafin till summer and trade him then. Uh, no, uh, unless they're re-signing him, which is is not going to happen as we understand it on February 27th. Um, they, they're, they're not going to let him go past the deadline without trading him, unfortunately, because he is a pending unrestricted free agent. 
Jason from Kelowna says, great win tonight. It's tough. I want to eat my cake and have it too. Want to trade everyone for the future while making the playoffs. Knowing they need to move out guys, I wonder if Dallas' rough night tonight, if they revisit both Hannafin and Tanev in a bigger package, might be the best return if Hannafin refuses to uh, sign with the team that he goes to. Um, I mean, look, if Dallas wants to go after Tanev and Hannafin, that seems like the, the type of deal that maybe you could get a Stankovin in or something like that. If you're moving both guys, that'd be quite interesting. Maverick Bork, Logan Stankovin, something like that. If you could, if you could pry, and I know Stankovin's got two goals in three games since he's been recalled, and, and maybe it just is, is completely unrealistic in Dallas's mind, but, man, if you could find a way, that'd be awesome. Uh, what else we got here at 960-960 on the text line tonight? Sean from Cochran says, Creepy how similar they are following Nashville in so many ways. Predators throw in the towel last year, and the Flames lost to them in the playoff race. Similar to us this year, inevitably. Also, racing against them this year, I do not want a Markstrom trade. Continuing the Nashville comparisons, Saros and Rene grooming. Wolf being groomed by Markey could be a true part of the future. I know the two defense Defenseman studs have to go, obviously, want Hannafin to sign, but I know that's not happening. Go Flames. This from Doug H. Uh, Do you think that this four-game win streak changes who the Flames target in their upcoming trades? Is there any appetite for them to trade for someone who can help them now in addition to younger players and draft picks? I'm 100% on team rebuild, but the chances of making the playoffs with Gilbert and Osterley seem slim. Wondering if they take, for example, a lesser prospect, lower pick, plus, say, a fifth, sixth pairing defenseman on the off chance they continue to play well. Just wondering what you think. Well, Doug, actually, I do think they will be getting a roster player back in at least one of these moves. And I also think one of the things they're interested in, say for in a in a Hannafin trade, for instance, I think they're very interested in getting maybe a guy who isn't a 19-year-old prospect. Maybe he's a 21, 22-year-old who can step in, be young, help the Flames get younger, still have lots and lots of potential, but can step into the NHL lineup right away. Um, I, I, I wonder about that too. So to answer your question, yeah, I do think there'll be roster players and even some of the, the quote-unquote like future pieces the Flames could be looking at I think might be the type of guys that could step in and get into NHL uh, NHL time sooner rather than later. So we'll see. Uh, this says uh, from Jesse, if they wait till the deadline and they're in a playoff spot and they're still selling Tanev and Hannafin and possibly Markstrom, or do they shift to buy? I mean, they can't sell well in a wild card spot, can they? Um, yes, Jesse, they can and they, they will. They're... They're not going to be a buying team just because they're in a 10 By the way, um, they've got three games until the deadline. I mean, I, I guess it's possible they could be in a wild card spot by then, but quite unlikely. So, no, Jesse, they're, they're, they're not going to be buying, and they're, they're still going to be trading Hannafin and Tanev. I, 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 lo- I love the optimism. I do. I just don't think they're going to be in a buying 
mindset at any point. Uh, what else we got here at 960-960? This says, Pat, Hunt's starting to settle in. If he gets another game in, it's going to be difficult to take him out. That comes from Colin. I think he'll be in on Saturday. Whether he's on the Sharon Govich line or the Rudy line remains to be seen, but I don't think you're taking Hunt out in at all, and I certainly don't think Ryan Huska would be taking him out either. Lucas in Peace River says, I was thinking with the Flames being the first team out of the playoffs, should they keep one of Noah or Chris? Personally, I think they should trade both, and maybe they can do something like Nashville did last year where they got better after selling. Love the work on the broadcast. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think they're going to be keeping either of them, um, and... I believe the Flames have exhausted what they can to try to re-sign both Hannafin and Tanev. Uh, Jerry in Vancouver Island, in your opinion, what would the defense pairings look like if the Flames trade their top pair? Well, it's interesting. I've thought about that a lot. Do you... I mean, I guess it depends what you get back. Do they get another right shot defenseman back is going to be interesting. If they don't, then maybe you split up Uyghur and Anderson and put them on different pairs and maybe think about doing like a Shillington Uyghur or Shillington Anderson and then have the other one play with somebody they bring in. But I think, you know, that, that that's too hypothetical. So I think not knowing if they get a defenseman back, I think you'd keep Uyghur and Anderson together. You'd just elevate Shillington and Pahal to now be your second pair, and Gilbert Osterley becomes your third pair as it stands right now, and maybe you can start to work some American League guys into the conversation as well. This says the boys are hot, loving the play as of late. It would be great to see them ride this win streak for a while. Are they going to see a drop when Hannafin and Tanev depart? And honestly, I don't know the answer to that question. I I don't know. I mean, could it happen? Of course it could because you're taking away the top pair. But don't know what they're getting back in return. Don't know who steps up on the blue line. Like, I I don't know. Do I think that there is a chance they, they take a step back? Yeah. In fact, I think it's almost inevitable that in some some way, shape, or form, they do take a step back, but it's to what extent? And is it enough of a step back? Can they mitigate it enough with what they bring back and what they have here already where that it's it's not a big enough step back that you know it takes them completely out of being competitive? That's what's going to be really interesting to see. Um, this says, um, Pat, any idea what time the Kippersoft ceremony starts at? 6.20. Be in your seats Saturday at 6.20. 20 if you're here if not be on sportsnet 360 or be listening on sportsnet 960 the fan by 620 at the latest when it comes to the mika kippersoff jersey retirement okay uh that's great stuff on the text line let's get to the phone lines got a few more calls to get to at 403-240-4444 following a flames 4-2 win over the los angeles kings thank you so much for all your great text so far tonight at 960 as the flames take a 4-2 victory it's your flames talk post game show pat steinberg with you on apple spotify google amazon or wherever you get your podcasts let's say hello to don what's going on don oh not a lot uh it's a good game pat uh just uh brought back some good memories uh we were watching uh young guns play in penticton do you ever get into penticton and, and catch any of the young gun action they had in early september yeah i was i was there this year i've been many times Good for you. Were you there when Majapani was uh, kind of featured? I think it was about five or six years ago. I, I sure was. 
Yeah, you know, he was was he with Vancouver? Was he a Vancouver prospect at that time and playing for the Vancouver grouping? I can't, I seem to remember that. Mon, Monjapani? No, he's always yeah. been a Flames pick. Was he always Flame? Okay, Vancouver might have been just uh, on the other team, but you know, uh, he's the team's creating value for themselves and they're playing well, and uh, you know that's going to just make all the players uh, play better. And uh, you know they've they're just playing so much better. I think they're respecting the fact that the players want a good pass. The players want to be given the the puck when they they want the, the the puck. And so you know the dishing and the passing is so much better. So we can just keep going with that, and it's creating value for the trades. So you know this is this is all good. So we just hope that uh, they carry on with what they're doing and uh, they're playing big. You know these guys are you know the Flames are playing big and if you play big on uh, offense then uh, you get the respect you get the shots and you you play better and and same with uh, the defense there's um, there's desire when they're tired and all three four players you know although they didn't go out to challenge they're all moving to block they're all moving to cover and uh, that's what the team's all about so uh, it was great it was good to to see and uh, let's just hope they carry on and uh, you know, get a little bit of lightning in the bottle, and uh, we have a you know we have a good finish. Uh, if not, uh, again, there's so much better for next year. All right, Donnie, give yourself a great night. Hey, I appreciate the call. Oh, you're very welcome, and uh, you know, just uh, go Flames, go. That's all we can do. Good stuff, man. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, take care, Patty. Bye bye. Thanks, Don. Uh, let's continue along. Let's say hello to Ryan. What's going on, Ryan? Hello, Patrick. Um, I've got some one-stop shopping for you to get a big Eric Holla in return. That's just a play on words, not Holla. But um, the New Jersey Devils. So, no Hannafin. And we maybe, I prefer not, but dangle uh, our goaltender mm-hmm. or Chris Tanev as the pair work well together. In return for the Tana Van Hannafin, you get Kevin Ball, the much-desired and really only of the four teams that I see available, Tampa, um, the Devils, uh, Florida, and there's one other option. I don't remember. Um, Anyhow, Kevin Ball coming back as a defenseman who has experience and has played considerable minutes for the Devils. First-round pick. And because we give up both defensemen in return, we either take Dawson Mercer or Alex Holtz. I mean, I, I, I on the surface, I mean, it, it seems like a pretty decent trade. I mean, um, the, the only the only thing I wonder about is I, I don't know if uh, New Jersey's a spot that um, Hannafin would be. Uh-oh super enamored in re-signing with so if that's the case i i don't know if that is realistic like the actual the actual like the the trade sounds fine i just i can't give you a really good read as to whether or not it's it's realistically something that that new jersey would do or calgary could get you know and no one knows what's in his head but from everything everything i've read today it's been pretty much boston new jersey florida tampa i'm not uh, i'm not sure I'm not sure on Boston. Um, I I, am I don't very. Like- I'm very confident that that he would re that that he would sign an extension with either of the Florida teams. Um, 
year. I'm not sure about Boston. I, I, I honestly don't know, and that's not me saying that I'm like skeptical. It's not, yeah. I, I don't know. Um, I wonder about Vegas a little bit. Um, and another team that I'm curious about is, is Los Angeles, too. So we'll see. The, the model I'm looking at is basing it off the Hampus Lindholm thing and just trying to find the most comparable scenario, and they're basically finding that there is no available comparable scenario. But the only thing with the Florida return that's proposed is that it's they give uh, Nico Mikola as a reliable uh, defensive player come back and supplement. But then the next the picks they have are 2025 and 26 second rounders. That's just so far away. Yeah. Um, so I see that being the least plausible. I Again, if, if, if you're reading the athletic article, um, it's just it's 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 a really interesting article. But there's this so much of this is dependent on whether or not Hannafin resigns uh, with the team that of he gets course, traded to, and so because that is so much, and because that that is playing such a big part in this, and you know the, the way that Frank Saravalli put it on Flames Talk earlier was that the the Hannafin camp kind of holding the Flames hostage. You know, I don't think it's Whoa. on purpose that they're doing it that way, but it is. I, I do think it's holding up the. I, pro- I, guess I, I, I think it's holding up the process in that I think it is the reason or one of the reasons why a deal hasn't been made yet. And I also think it's making it a little bit more difficult for the Flames to get maximum return for Hannafin right now. Then again, as Noah continues to put up two points a game and the Devils keep getting lit up, there could be a Tanev for a first to whomever and then do the Markstrom and Hannafin for Alexander Holtz, Dawson Mercer, and a first. Now we're talking... I don't. I, I. I'm skeptical. You're getting Mercer, um, but I. I can't sit here and tell you for sure that you couldn't. I'm just skeptical myself that uh, you could just, get him. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. I guess what I wanted to mention today. I think I noticed. I. I picked this up on this earlier in the year. There was a only one other instance that stands out where Yegor Sharangovich made a bad play, a really bad play. It was a turnover and led straight to a goal. And I was like, oh dang! And this was like when Yegor was on his big scoring streak and I was like I bet he gets one back because he looks so mad at himself and he ended up doing it and it seems like tonight he did the same thing even mm-hmm. though he hasn't been scoring quite as much I was like I bet he gets one back and he did so I don't yeah know. and and it's just... good observation like he's pretty he's pretty sound defensively he doesn't make mistakes very often in that regard so it's one of the things that they liked about him most when they when they acquired him and he's been he's been really solid in that regard yeah so i see there's probably only two instances where i can think of him never giving it up and then not scoring because it's only happened twice yeah of note but yeah i just know that craig and craig and his friends over there in east rutherford seem to have somewhat somewhat of a rapport i mean toffoli's been fun for you guys right so maybe we can work together again i don't know i just thought the idea of adding some offensive punch um in one of those Young players who might be nice. Uh, yeah, but I, I still fully and firmly hold true to the fact that Noah's just playing hard to get. He's going to stick around, and that point oh oh one percent you continue to mention is is the reality. 
situation. So hey, man, we'll I, be, just, here, here's what I will say <laughs> to you because um, you were a very loyal and um, an and important part of our Flames Talk postgame show. I hope for I hope for you more than anybody on the planet that he does yeah. resign. I, I it's not going to happen. Um, okay, hey. I'm not going to say I'm not going to say it's not going to happen because <laughs> anything can happen. It is extremely unlikely it's going to happen. Eh, 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 everything that I understand that everybody else understands is that this guy is going to be dealt and this guy is is going to the trade market. Um, but I hope yeah, for more that I mo, no, for nobody other than you, Ryan, because of how much you continually twist yourself in knots that you want this guy to stay. Yeah, I want it to happen. I want it to happen just Someone for you. Someone sent in that text message the other day to, after the post game show that was commenting on. What if we just promised to trade Noah after the season, but we sign him first? Now that was my idea. You did. I yep. You were the first one with that idea, and it's still not going to happen. You're like that's never happened. But we're pioneering here. It's uh, all right. Well, you should probably uh, head on getting home there. Um, Yeah, it was an excellent game today. Again, uh, probably after a loss, sometime two months ago, I said they're going to get there, and I said the Kings would fall apart. And you were talking about the Kings. Oh, they're on fire. But it's just—I remember. It's still a little. It's a. It's a little early for a victory lap on that one. Uh, I just. Uh, well, uh, it's my rookie season. Maybe I'll be sent back to the minors. I don't know. Let me do my lap. But either way, uh, no. I just. I, I'm looking at the goaltending and Cam Talbot. We know Cam. I couldn't. There was that series where I just wanted Riddick to play every game. I think it was against the Jets. It might have been that COVID shirts, whatever. But um. Anyhow, we know that tandem, and um, I don't think Cam Talbot can write those type of numbers forever and ever. It's and just the, the Kings. The Kings are in the driver's seat. They they have got one fewer games they, per game they played. They are in the driver's seat, but the brakes of the brakes are. Not they definitely good. have no been nowhere near as good in in the calendar year twenty twenty four. No disputing that. And unfortunately, um, Minnesota and Nashville both decided to get red hot seven in a row for. Nashville, yeah, the Preds been... are rolling, and they're there. So it's it's a five point gap for the Flames on both teams right now. But but it's they're catching up on <laughs> Vancouver, Vegas, Edmonton, which is a now move point. But it's just if everything returns back to some sort of normalcy, except for the Flames stay hot, then they could. It, it wouldn't take long at all for them to catch up. Just two or three games, really, especially playing common opponents. It could happen quickly. It, uh, yesterday on Money Puck or whatever, they had us at a like a four percent chance, and today we're at a twenty-one percent chance. So that's uh, been twenty-four hours. I I checked Money Puck yesterday. They were about thirteen percent yesterday, I believe. There eleven point five. Eleven point five to make the playoffs, and there's and I and Money Puck hasn't updated yet. But with that being, but they also have Minnesota at twenty-three point five, who's has the same amount of points and the same amount of games. Yeah, it takes into account other things, though. So, But the Flames have the easiest schedule remaining, or the lowest average points per opponent. I, 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 haven't, I, I believe you, but what has that done for the Flames yeah. in prior years? Uh, very good point, very good point. We'll, we'll avoid that commonly talked about tangents. So. we got yeah. we got to move on, Ryan. I, I was just going to let you go. I was going to hang up. Later. Well, I beat you to it. We will, Pat.
Bye, buddy. Talk soon. And our uh, last call tonight goes to Sean. What's going on, Sean? Well, you got such a great show, buddy. I've been waiting 50 minutes just to say a couple things. Well, welcome aboard. Sorry you had to wait. Oh, no, not, not a problem at all. Actually, just positive all the way through. Calgary played great. I think uh, if they can make the playoffs, pretty tough to think they'd get out of the first round. Just reading a lot of these things online saying, oh, what's the point? you know, getting swept or this or that. But I think making the playoffs is an accomplishment. It'll give these guys experience that they need. The young guys, I, I think people are crazy that, you know, if we slide in, maybe make it by a point or whatever. I think it's just going to do nothing but good. Again, especially for the young guys. I'm going to make one last point, Pat. A little bit emotional. Uh, Michael Backlund, um, do you remember that San Jose game? Was it last Thursday or a couple Thursdays ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he actually got a hold of my parents. My dad got diagnosed with ALS, and he got uh, the family tickets, six tickets for us, uh, watched the game, and then after the game, he actually uh, gave my dad a game-worn jersey. He gave everybody else shirts. Um, He signed it. And my dad's going through some tough times, man. And I'll tell you, um, watching my dad smile because of one individual that decided to step up, I think Backlund's uh, wife's mom yes. at ALS. Yeah. But, yeah. So, man, I don't know if you, how often you run into these guys, but if you do see Backlund, tell him Mike from that San Jose game, which clearly we know wasn't the best game, but regardless um, and my, Mike's your, Mike's your dad Sean you betcha yeah I'm actually I'm actually um, planning on uh, I'm hoping to chat with uh, Michael for something I'm doing uh, for the show I'm, I'm hoping to actually uh, get get a three or four minutes four or five minutes with him on uh, on Wednesday morning so I'll uh, I'll make sure to do that so uh, make, Mike from make, the San oh, Jose game hey yes yeah, sorry can you repeat what you just said I missed a little bit I, 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 uh, the decent chance that I'll uh, get a little bit of time with Michael on, on Wednesday morning um, just at practice. I've, I'm planning on chatting with him anyway for something I'm doing, so I'll, uh, I'll, I'll make sure to mention that to him. Yeah, and, and I, I mean stress the fact that, you know, he, he made, you know, it, it was my, a couple of my – two of my sisters, my nephew, niece, my mom, my dad, we were all there – and he made everybody's night, but most importantly, he made my dad's night. And I can't stress enough that it, it's been several months since he's had any type of happiness, you know, you know, clearly because of his health. But, yeah. you know, he I can't stress enough. It was amazing. Please. Th- but again, my dad's name is Mike McDonald. So uh, if you want to mention that to him and just tell him that, you know, God bless him. Yeah, I will make sure that I uh, pass that on to him. Uh, I'll, I'll try to do that on Wednesday, okay, Sean? I'm sure you'll remember, man. Thank you. Great show, Pat. Have a great night. Be well, Sean. And and the other thing, and uh, I mean, I'm so not surprised. First of all, uh, thoughts and prayers to to your family, Sean, and and um, and and you know all the. All the the flames talk backing that we can give to to your dad, Mike. That's that's awful to hear about that diagnosis, and and you know I. It's just so awful to to hear that, um, and so awesome, awful to hear, but awesome 
to hear awful to hear about the news awesome to hear that you know Michael Backlund did that again Michael and Michael and Frida Backlund have been involved with the ALS Society for Alberta for quite some time uh, as as Sean said um, Michael's wife Frida uh, has has a very personal connection to ALS and so um, the two of them have been have, have kind of taken ALS Society for Alberta and and made it there you know M- Michael touches so many different charitable things in, in southern Alberta but you know the the ALS Society is is the one that he and Frida have have taken on the most and have kind of made like their their baby you know there's a lot of other th- throughout his time whether it's been kids cancer care special olympics calgary um parachutes for pets uh, he's he's just been um what 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 he's done for the city of Calgary is is and and what he's you know the he's, he's the reigning King Clancy Award winner for heaven's sakes because of this, um, but it, that's just so cool to hear a fan say that and I'll a hundred percent pass that on to him because it'll mean a lot to him and I'll just one thing that I'll share before we wrap up the program when when Michael was in Nashville Michael Backlund was in Nashville. And I've told this story before, but maybe you haven't heard it before. When he was in Nashville for the NHL Awards, when he, he did eventually win the King Clancy Memorial Trophy, he, just before going over to Bridgestone Arena, they were at their hotel, and just before going over to Bridgestone, uh, the Flames gave him, um, and I, I believe it was on an iPad, and just this showed him a, a a video that they the the jumbotron crew the the digital crew had put together, and it was a, a video that had a lot of people like Sean like Sean's dad Mike throughout the years that have been personally affected by all of the philanthropic and, and charitable work that Michael's done in the city of Calgary and and just all these people saying thank you and 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 the impact that he had made in in the city and the impact that he had made on them and I just I, I know that when that video was given to him it it meant the world to him and honestly it was a, a a part of I don't know to what percentage but it was a non-negligible part of of him starting the the pendulum starting to move back to him signing here and becoming the captain of the Flames and you know at the end of last season maybe he was leaning that pendulum was swinging more to I think maybe a, another team is the way to go well the way that everything went with him winning the King Clancy in Nashville and and part of that was that video it really swung him back and started to swing it back towards him staying as a member of the Flames and obviously signing a contract and, and being named captain. So uh, I, I will definitely pass that on, Sean, and and, um, and I, I know that it'll mean a lot to him because all that stuff does mean uh, a lot to him, knowing how important him in the community has always been and, and making a difference in in his spot in this community has always meant to him thank you very much for all your phone calls thank you very much for all your texts great stuff as always been a long one on our flames talk post game today not sure why it went so long i just was in a talkative mood so the calls went longer i think today so uh, and that's part of it um Thank you for uh, hanging out with us thank you for being along for the ride today our flames talk post game show starting to wrap up before we wrap it up though Time for the final summary. Here's how we got to tonight's final score. 4-2 Flames over the L.A. Kings. 
No scoring in the first period, despite a really solid first for Calgary. No scoring in the opening frame, 0-0 after 20. In the second period, L.A. actually opens the scoring. Philippe Deneau makes it one nothing in favor of L.A. His 11th of the year comes at 12.08 of the second period. Deneau from Kevin Fiala and Drew Doughty and L.A. in the lead. However, that lead lasted 48 seconds because at 12.56, Andrew Mangiapane ties it with an absolute beauty. Mangiapane's 12th from Noah Hannafin and Jacob Markstrom at 12.56. And then 56 seconds after that, the Flames go out in front for the first time on Blake Coleman's 24th of the year. Coleman at 13.52 from Jonathan Huberdeau and Chris Tanev. Flames in the lead 2-1. Late in the period, though, Kings tie it on Kevin Fiala's 17th. Fiala from Anze Kopitar and Quinton Byfield at 18.54, 2-2 after 40 minutes of play. Off to the third period we go where the Flames regain the lead and this time for good at 12.09. Yegor Sharangovich wires home his 21st of the year. Sharangovich from Dryden Hunt and Jacob Pelche for your game winner. And then Michael Backlund, the aforementioned, seals it into an empty net with his 13th of the year at 18.46. Backlund from Tanev to get us to our 4-2 final score. Final shots, 37-22 in favor of the Flames. Both teams, Calgary and L.A., go 0 for 3 on the power play. With the win, Flames improved to 29, 25, and 5. They're back in action Saturday at home to Pittsburgh. Well, LA, uh, they fall to 29, 20, and 10. They're back in action Thursday on the road in Vancouver. Uh, by the way, three stars tonight. Number three, Yegor Sharangovich. Number two, Blake Coleman. Your number one star this evening was Andrew Mangiapati. That is your final summary. And now for everyone involved in Flames hockey tonight, for our broadcast crew of Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson, for our on-site engineers Tim Khalil and Randy Opperman for our reporter Logan Gordon and for our outstanding producer Azam Ali Nanji. My name is Pat Steinberg. That'll start to wrap us up on our Flames Talk post-game show. It's available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. Next up for the Flames is Saturday night against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Puck drop just after 8 o'clock. It is a special night, though. Uh, it is Mika Kiprasov Jersey Retirement Night Saturday here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Uh, and the event or the ceremony starts at 6.20 p.m. that night. So we'll be on the air at 6 o'clock with your Flames warm-up pregame show. We'll actually have a uh, Mika Kiprasov special starting at 5 o'clock, but we'll go live at 6 o'clock, the ceremony at 6.20, and then puck drop just after 8 o'clock. We'll have full coverage for you on Sportsnet 960 The Fan on Saturday. Join us then. Have yourself a wonderful rest of your week. Your final score here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Flames have made four straight wins 4-2 over the LA Kings this has been your Flames Talk post game show available wherever you get your podcasts and this has been Calgary Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960 The Fan